It's showtime. Okay, talk you, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussin' and a discussin' with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy, happy new year. Here we go, off and running on a brand new year. I mean, it's kind of arbitrary, isn't it, really? It's not like there's a tripwire somewhere out in the solar system or anything. Uh, Welcome to 2023, or the first program of 2023, in the common era. You know, that's, that's, that's how we refer to it. Not B.C. and A.D., but B.C.E. and C.E., the, before the common era and the common era. Takes some of the mumbo jumbo out of it. It really does. It is the second day of January 2023. As I said, the first broadcast of the horn for 2023. Uh, this is the uh, <laughs> wow. This is the month in which I will turn 60, which is cool because I feel 30. Uh, that that's a good sign. I hope. Hi, I'm Robin. This is the horn. If you head on dot live is where we live on the interweb tubes. If you happen to wander by head on dot live and pop into the chat room right now, you will become almost instantaneously a part of the merry, wacky, zany, real time, madcap, multimedia New Year extravaganza that is the Horn Chat Room in the three hours in which this program is live Monday through Friday. 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between and the great globe round and whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening live. Thank you for being part of the podcast. Uh, the podcast crew, thank you for listening on whatever program, uh, pro, whatever platform you prefer, even if it's... Even if it's tune in and they're incessant ads for ExxonMobil. Ugh. Um, thank you. And thank you uh, in advance. Uh, we're, we're kind of on a, on a little bit of a mission here. Brother Deacon Asa reminding me every day, please ask people to leave feedback. Whatever pl- platform you're listening on, leave feedback. Like it, subscribe to the podcast, leave feedback, and maybe maybe in the coming year the algorithms will pay a little more attention to us. I'd, I'd love that if that happened. That would be that would be just wonderful. But 
Every program at the Horn begins with gratitude. This program is no different. Oh, by the way, uh, early arrivers always get noted in the chat room. That would be Squeaky and Kid Mark. And at the moment, you are capably uh, we are capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist and Mathematician Roger in Oregon. Uh, Roger is uh, taking down uh, the Christmas tree today, apparently. Yeah, and the and the happy twinkling holiday lights will go out and now it'll just be the grim business of January and February and up till the third week of March and then ah spring yes let's see that's uh, what we worked that out the other day but anyway and so you know, 28 29 59 yeah about mm, 80 or so days uh it, and then we can start, and of course, early spring's cold too. But my attitude changes with the uh, with the uh, vernal equinox. It really does. Yeah, what's that, Lee? Uh, listening on in on headon live. Come on in. The audio is fine. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to know. We are, in fact, uh, streaming, and that that's working. Uh, yes, yes, it, it, by all means, Brother Deacon Asa. <laughs> uh, a meme of Brother Deacon Asa's, um, hero, Herb Kane. happy Jew year, happy Jew year to you too, Brother Deacon. That was some fine looking bacon you fried up, uh, yesterday morning. Yes, indeed. And we had our, uh. We had our corned beef and cabbage. We eat late around here, but ooh, it was worth it. It was so good. You know, a neat trick with the uh, old standby. Okay, back to, yes, um... Uh, what I was saying, uh, we did, we had our corned beef and cabbage, and I had some the the the, the private the private selection Dijon mustard D, Dijon yeah it's Dijon that's how we pronounce it here in the hills Dijon mustard uh, is really really good and uh, and by the way thank you uh, Lee in New York serving as the Horns ad hoc vernal equinox research department so seventy seven days so yeah. Um, it only gets better from here. But, uh, no, uh, we had our corned beef, and because I'm trying to cut out carbs, I did not make cornbread. Hey, um, but a neat trick, it, when, when, when you get the, you know, when you roast, when you roast the corned beef, use those corned be corn beef juices to cook your cabbage and just kind of let it steam. And God, that broth was so good. I... I dissolved a little Dijon mustard in the broth and just sipped at it. It was really good. <laughs> and Dijon mustard is wonderful with uh, corned beef and cabbage anyway. So we had a small scale, a little uh, New, Year's, uh, New, New Year's Day dinner. And I'm excited for the, I'm ex I, I'm excited for the college football national championship. Mm-hmm. Because who in a million years would ever have dreamed up a college national championship that features the dogs and frogs? Really? I, I just love that.
and you know what? Nobody has nobody no nobody nobody has anything to be ashamed of. of those four teams. Those were two great football games. Absolutely great, and I still enjoy that sort of thing. Um, oh yes, uh, my uh, my French always takes a beating on it. Uh, Maya mustard, yeah. Uh, Chris in Germany has sent me some of that, and it is heavenly. And they've got that at Kroger's too. It's just that the private selection's a little bit cheaper, and that matters these days. Um, New Year's Eve was a blast. I um, decided to uh, go out, and I was entirely well behaved. And I went over to Maggie's. Didn't spend a dime, and got my New Year's kiss. That was nice. She was really cute, too. Um, and just kind of came home, got asked to dance. Yay. Uh, it, was, it, was just, it was just fun. It was lovely. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude. And this program is no different, so we say thanks to our second day, first day, and uh, 31st day of the uh, month uh, subscribers. There aren't any 31st day of the month subscribers, and it's just because of how PayPal works. But thanks go out. Um... Thanks go out to Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so very much. And thanks as well to uh, uh, Tom in sunny San Rafael and to Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thanks to Rusty. Thank you, Rusty. And thank you to Joseph. Much appreciated, Joseph. Um, make sure I, I don't want to miss anybody, but yeah, I think that's. And thanks very kindly to uh, our anonymous friend. Thank you so much. And thanks as well to Max. Thank you, Max. Max has uh, Max knows that the first program of the new month is Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge. And we have uh, three people who uh, put forward the challenge money, the, to, to the matching money. If we raise $300 this evening, we will have uh, $300 added to it. And that's vital right now. Uh, things, are, things are still tough. They're, I guess they're going to stay tough for the foreseeable future. But the neat thing is, Max jumps in with 200 so that all we have to do this evening is raise 100 bucks, And that's fantastic. Um, so thank you very kindly, Max. And I hope you all had a happy new year. Like I said, ours was peaceful and managed to be happy. Uh, uh, corn beef, question Flavio asks... Is there any that doesn't come with nitrates and nitrites? I bought some last year thinking I was going to make some, and then I looked at the label, Holy Moses, so I gave it to a neighbor. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, the fact of the matter is, you can do that. Um, 
if you just buy plain old beef brisket, Flavio, and you make a, 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 a rub of brown sugar and salt, and you rub it down real good, or you can, uh, and, or you can uh, brine it, and then use typical, you know, typical pickle, you know, pickling spice like you buy in the spice aisle, and just brine it a good long while. You'll have corned beef. The nitrites and the nitrates are purely a preservative, and I don't like those things either. I mean, it's like when we buy hot dogs now. I buy the uh, the uncured variety. I like uncured bacon because nitrites and nitrates are not good for you. I mean, really, you're eating a fundamental ingredient, nitroglycerin, TNT, <laughs> right. Uh, but no, you can make your own, and it's not at all difficult. So maybe maybe look into that. Um, yeah, you're right, I do. Randy Radar said, uh, you need new higher tiers and a new photo on Patreon. You should also be able to post programs there. I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about posting the program there. One thing I am thinking about is maybe creating extra content and put, making it available via Patreon because this program is free and it's always going to be free. But maybe if there was something uh, something special we wanted to talk about, we could do extra programming over there that would be Patreon specific. And you know it wouldn't you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be like a huge th- but just trying to grow the Patreon base a little bit and offer you know be being more full be more full service than we already are. Um, I take a lot of emails and a lot of calls and re- even when I'm not on air. So uh, so that's a, a possibility. Um, uh Randy, I don't think so. I thought that he says I thought that the meat had naturally occurring nitrates and nitrites. No, those are those are preservative additives. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get nitrite and nitrate-free products. One of the things, oh, and there is a nitrite and nitrate-free Koneka that is absolutely fantastic. It just hasn't made its way to us yet. Asa, quit that. Asa said, "Fuck Patreon. Get you an OnlyFans channel. Sure." Because that's what everybody's itching to see, right? You have lovely feet. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Just no. Um, but, you know, it, it, thanks thanks for the manifestation of faith. I, I, I really do appreciate it. So anyway, we'll hope we can raise 100 bucks this evening. And, you know, that's, that shouldn't be too, uh, too desperately difficult. But with... Uh, 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 with the beginning of this new year, we find out that some things never change. Like, for instance, the fact that we've got a and you know this is kind of a, this kind of has a no that's 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 garbage. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry, I was hit with a pop-up. This headline, New York City millionaire pharma executive convicted of killing autistic son found dead after Supreme Court revokes bail. 
Uh, headline warning in advance. It's a Fox News story, so it's you know you know it's going to be slanted all to hell. But the implication is the uh, the the request the the bail that this millionaire was on and had been on since being convicted of of killing her kid pending appeal. Well, this bail was revoked by uh, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And then the 62-year-old homicidal mama um, offed herself. She had admitted, alleged, uh, the, 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 the... Copy says, the socialite from Belgium allegedly admitted to using a syringe to plunge a lethal cocktail of painkillers, tranquilizers, and sleeping pills mixed with alcohol and orange juice down the boy's throat inside their $2,300 a night suite at the luxury Peninsula Hotel in Manhattan in February 2010. She was convicted in 2014. She tried to plead that it was a, it was a failed double suicide. Yeah, she got convicted. And then finally, somebody said enough is enough. Why is she still walking around having been convicted of murder? And Justice Sonia Sotomayor issued the order revoking her bail. Which I guess the Republicans will try to turn into some sort of a something because it wouldn't show up on the Fox News website if it wasn't. But... uh, Yeah, I know. What the fuck, says Ralph's about the billionaire killing herself. Um, Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, said to, because she, her appeal was based on the fact that she claimed to have been deprived of a sixth, her Sixth Amendment right to a, an open trial because of 15 minutes in which the courtroom was cleared uh, for the court to be able to do some stuff that shouldn't have been seen in the sight of the jury. Um, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, remember him? He's the guy who was afraid to prosecute, uh, remains afraid to prosecute Trump. The only impact of the closed proceeding was that once the courtroom reopened, the court repeated an earlier instruction to the jury not to consume media coverage about the trial. Later the same day, the court unsealed the minutes of the closed proceeding and two exhibits that had been marked during it. So uh, this is the, the, the part that just crawled all over me, and the reason I'm even bothering mentioning this. Um, Norman Siegel is uh, Ms. Norman's um, pettifogger, and he confirmed her death. He said he spoke to her around 7.30 p.m. Thursday, and she sounded in good spirits. Um and then added, and this is the part. Okay, she's dead. You don't. You don't have to advocate for her anymore. She's dead, Norm. That's unbelievably sad. Gigi Jordan had a lot to offer society. In the end, she did not have her opportunity to contribute to society. Well, she had forty-eight years before she murdered her son. And then she didn't even do any jail time, so whatever she had to offer society, she, uh, well, should have done. 
Oh, God. But that, that... Try to imagine, if you dare, try to imagine being an ordinary human being who poisoned and murdered your eight-year-old little boy. See how long after conviction you're walking around out at, out and about. Yeah, right. And just because it's more in Monday, I mean, just because it's the first show of the year doesn't mean it's more, not more in Monday. Uh, off to Colorado with us. You're going to love this. Uh, the dateline is Boulder, Colorado, where a library there, and it looks like a beautiful structure, lots of glass, sort of a, uh, sort of an indigenous uh, motif, it looks like. But the, the library there in Boulder has had to shut down you know, on a temporary basis, of course. Why, you ask? Is it because the Proud Boys are marching up and down outside on the square? Protesting, I don't know, Drag Queen Story Hour or something like that? No, not in this case. I mean, that's quite often that is the case. I mean, we, want, we have to admit. But no, in this case, the uh, library had to be shut down because environmental testing there showed dangerously high levels of residual methamphetamine. What? Huh? Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't know the meth heads were going to the library to. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> read Proust and smoke or snort or whatever the do with meth. But the uh, but the the fact of the matter is the city of Boulder had to close the library because tests were taken in the facility and the air ducts in six of the and. Uh, in six of the restrooms and showed that it was just icky with meth. They even had to uh, um, evaluate two uh, city employees on two separate occasions when the employees, quote, experienced symptoms consistent with a potential exposure to meth residue or fumes Because over the last month, there's been a sharp uptick of people smoking meth in the library. Wow, this, this certainly rewrites the old Brownsville Station song, Smoking in the Boys' Room. Library Director David Feynman said, uh, This is truly a sad situation and represents the impact of a widespread epidemic in our country. The city is consulting with Boulder County public health officials and will take all steps necessary to prioritize safety we are committed to transparency and appropriate remediation naturally there will not be any protest by any neo-nazis <laughs> probably kind of fond of meth in the first place outside this library because well maybe they're fans 
Nearly all the contamination is within the public-facing restrooms and on the surfaces of the exhaust ducts in these enclosed spaces. That must mean they're smoking the meth next to the intake ducts. Merca, the greatest country in the history of the world on Earth now today, forever in the universe under God. Yeah, this is one of those stories I read and go, Oh, it's not, it's not a, it didn't happen in West Virginia. Yay. But that's creepy as shit. Your job is to clean and, you know, take care, make sure the restroom's sanitary, and you come out of it sick, maybe feeling a little messed up. That's scary. It's really scary. And once again, the, the, the people who have the jobs of keeping these facilities safe and sanitary for public use, well, they don't need this shit. Hey, you know what? That's a, that's a great, that's a great ra- back reference. Randy Radar says, Welcome to Biff's America. Oh, I think that even... Where'd it go? That merits that merits that cowbell. Oh, oh no, here it is. That merits a real cowbell, Randy Radar. You know, from Back to the Future, Biff. Yeah. It does feel kind of Biff's America-ish, doesn't it? Um. Bail in New York City, Lee in New York points out, if you get bail and are rich, you get out on bail. If you get bail and are poor, you go to Rikers Island. Not a Star Trek Next Generation reference. Different Rikers. If a person is deemed allowable to be out before a trial, money should not change the outcome. By Fox, uh, But Fox raises all hell if an accused person commits a felony pretrial because, well, facts don't matter to Fox. Truer words have never been spoken. Th- thank you, Lee. Norman Siegel asks Kim in New York. Hi, Kim. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Robin. Thank you. Is this the same Norman Siegel who used to be head of the NYC chapter of the ACLU? I would not be surprised if it is. But bemoaning the... I mean, Kim, Lee, if y'all can sort that out, I'm I'm open to, open to hearing it, but... Claiming that somebody who commit who com- committed you know homicide of her son, and then finally offed herself at the age of sixty two after she was ordered ordered basically to jail to begin serving the sentence for you know because this was not tre- pre-trial detention this was post conviction it was over she was busted the jury was yeah um I mean God love him for his sympathy but wow. Yeah, and I didn't mean this more for this Moran Monday to turn into a uh, uh, courtroom drama or uh, court stuff, but uh, there's going to be a uh, well, history is going to be made tomorrow apparently uh, because uh, the state of Missouri is going to become the first state in the Union to um, murder in the name of the state 
a trans person. Yay! Uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Ron Monkey up DeSantis has a big, huge sad that Florida didn't get to be the first state to do that. And Governor Hee-Haw Meemaw down in Alabama. How did we miss that? Uh, we should we should have been the first one to, to to capital punish one of them transes. I mean, it's a it's it's a sorry state of affairs. But every time the state decides to murder someone uh, in an act of retributive justice, it usually is. She killed her girlfriend in 2003. Horrible. And uh, well, it, it's it, she should should certainly be spending her life in prison. But they're going to uh, cruci- they're going to uh, horizontally crucify her sometime tomorrow. Um, when she was growing up. Um, Amber McLaughlin spent time in foster care where her foster parent would rub feces on her face and when she finally got adopted the father who adopted her would um, use a stun gun on her well that's okay because this is Merca. And we, we, we like to send we like to send people to the death house because you know what? They wouldn't be there if and they didn't deserve it. And she was horrible. Every woman's nightmare. Um She dated a woman named Beverly Gunther, and she stalked her relentlessly. And Beverly Gunther didn't come home the night of November twentieth, two thousand three. Officers found a broken knife handle near her car and a trail of blood, and then McLaughlin led the police to the place where, near the Mississippi River, where Beverly's body had been dumped. Well, Missouri makes history. And my, uh, my attitude on the death penalty has changed a little bit. But I'm still generally opposed to it. Somehow, well, it's just an act of retribution, isn't it? I frankly don't care about the fact that the that the the soon to be decedent is trans. I worry a little bit that maybe people in Missouri might be a little too 
eager to kill her because she is, but yeah, that's just America. Meanwhile, uh, the, tri- the, the trifecta turns out to have been, because uh, all the deaths come in threes. Pele, Barbara Walters, and ex-Pope Benny the Rat, the Nazi Pope. 95 years old and became the first Pope to resign in 600 years. And the hagiography has already begun. Uh, some cardinal or other divine says that his last words were, Ich liebe dich, Gott. I love you so much, God. Hey. So I guess 25,000 people have showed up today. Uh, they expected that. Then it turned out to be 40,000 uh, wanting to see the body of the dead Nazi Pope. And why, I don't know. The choir and the organ um, filled the air with Kyrie eleison. I thought that was Mike and the Mechanics. No, never mind. Uh, and so uh, the funeral, I guess, is uh, Thursday in St. Peter's Square. Honestly, don't care. This guy was a brute. And he was also he was also a cover-up artist for priests who like to fuck little boys. So hopefully, uh, well, maybe there will be somebody to welcome him. Uh, oh, hello, Benny. Huh, welcome to hell. Come on in. We got lots of pineapples down here. Ugh. And of course, he was relentless in his. Uh, he was relentless in protecting pedophile priests, and equally relentless in trying to torment people who didn't have sex the way he, a guy who wasn't supposed to have sex, thought people should have sex. So, well. Throw on throw on a few more cords of wood, boys. Warm it up for Benny. But there's a, a the, the uh, he had a personal secretary, and I guess the tell-all book will will be out soon. Uh, the papal secretary, Archbishop George Genschwein's "Nothing But the Truth: My Life Beside Pope Benedict the Sixteenth." will be out this month, at least in Italian. And it promises to uh, to detail blatant calumnies and dark maneuvers and mysteries and scandals that surrounded Benny the Rat's papacy. You know, at one point in time, the church got so uh, head up, this was back during the time of the two popes, uh, that they actually dragged a dead pope out, uh, 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 tried him, found him guilty, and 
chucked his body in the Tiber. Maybe, I don't think they'll do that again. Darn it. Uh, by the way, Matt in San Francisco, subject line, Evelyn Wood. <laughs> Entirely new meaning to speed reading. Matt. <laughs> oh. Onward. A couple of more. Uh, I'll be darned. I had no idea. Uh, serving as the Biff Tannen Research Department, Lee in New York uh, directs me to an article. Back to the Future writer Bob Gale has revealed that the character Biff Tannen was inspired by Donald Trump. You know, if you look back, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So we got the meth library <laughs> speed reading. Matt, you're shameless. <laughs> That's quality. Somebody's going to have to work awful hard later in the program to overcome that speed reading. Mm -hmm. I guess they were crystal Methodists. E. But a more serious story. Annette and I were talking about this one either yesterday or today. Coming out of Afghanistan, I don't know how... This manages to be, uh, be, I don't know how you go about doing the investigative journalism that gets you this, but I do not find it difficult to believe. The dateline is Nahreen, Afghanistan, and the story centers on a 12-year-old boy named Mansoor, who is 12 years old. Did I mention 12 years old, Mansoor? And that's not a mispronunciation of Monsieur. M-A-N-S-O-U-R. And the story opens with the explanation that, no, he's not in school, this 12-year-old boy. Instead, he's deep in the tunnels of a mountain in Afghanistan. He is coated black with filth. He wears a flickering headlamp. And he waits while the maybe 14, 15, and 16-year-old boys using picks and shovels fill bags with coal, which they then drape across the backs of donkeys. And when the donkeys' backs are sufficiently loaded, 12-year-old Mansoor leads the donkeys through the perilous, winding, twisting, crumbling tunnels out into the daylight where the sacks of coal are thrown into a truck. All this takes place 
180 miles north of Kabul. And it heads not further into Afghanistan, but to other countries that are hungry for coal. Interviewed, young 12-year-old Mansoor said, My family sent me to work here last year. Of course, there is no mask, there is no goggles. He uh, wears a, a, a slitted-open pair of rubber boots. In other words, it's exactly like the America that, for instance, Annette's daddy grew up in. He did exactly that kind of work at almost the exact same age, less than a hundred years ago. 1930. My dad did similar work um, when he was 14 or so. That would have been 1938. Mansoor said, what they pay me goes directly to my family. And when he, mean, when he says what they pay me, he means somewhere between 3 and $8. And the sad thing is, the tragic thing is, that's good money. Real good money. But look. When I read this story, I, saw, I thought to myself, hey, that's capitalism. Absolutely. And you know what? The only reason that the coal industry in the United States mechanized was because it was cheaper to buy machines than it was to keep on paying human beings. Mechanization was always the sticking point in union negotiations and in the 1950s when the bituminous coal operators sat down with the unions they said listen we're going to put a lot of people out of work because we're bringing in new machines that was not, not going to need as many people under the ground and the union of course threw a fit and then they came to a compromise Back in the 1950s, the United Mine Workers of America agreed with the Bituminous Coal Operators Association of America that yes, there would be there would be less need uh, for for you know physical labor in the mines, but well, they could maybe deal with it best by making sure that all the firings and layoffs were of the black coal miners in the United Mine Workers of America. And that's how, that's how a union that began its life as literally the first integrated labor union in this country became whiter and whiter and whiter. Of course, in Afghanistan, these mines collapse. Little boys die. Young men die. Because, well, as one of the newly minted widows at the Upper Big Branch explosion back more than a decade ago said, we always knowed coal mining was dangerous. 
And really, not a lot of people care about that. Most of the focus on Afghanistan goes to the horrifying ways that women are treated, and rightly so. But this is part of it, too. What happens in places like this coal mine and the fact that parents can rent out their children? And the fact of the matter is, if that was necessary, or if that was deemed profitable, somebody at the Chicago School of Economics would recommend 12-year-old boys be sent into mines to the... Look, remember when Newt Gangreen said that uh, school kids ought to be made the janitors of their schools? Remember that? But coal remains the dirtiest, the filthiest, the nastiest, the most vile, the most deadly, the most toxic of all the hydrocarbons that we use for energy in the world today. And so, remember, and, and that's the nice thing about this community, we can manage compassion uh, for people who aren't us, or even in some ways aren't much like us. But every time you hear some godforsaken Republican, and God knows, starting tomorrow, we're going to hear plenty of it, because well, that's in the stack, too. But we'll start hearing about, Joe Biden's made America energy non-independent, and we need to drill by drill, and we got to mine more coal. Well, never mind the fact that, it's, that, that the burning of coal is rendering the planet more and more inhospitable to the existence of the human species. It's also worth noting that every time somebody talks about how we got to keep burning coal, that we is we as a, as a species, that we is we everywhere, And, it, and the everywhere includes little boys deep in the tunnels of, co of, 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 of coal mines on the brink of collapse in Afghanistan. And they're ramping up their coal production for all they're worth. And it's an and the fact that it's an export product. Oh my God! One wonders where it's exported to. Bangladesh, which will be largely sunken beneath the beneath the waves as a result of climate change. India, perhaps I don't know. Pakistan. Don't know. Maybe Iran. I mean, look at all the borders with Afghanistan. In the first year under Taliban rule, coal exports increased dramatically. They export approximately 10,000 tons of coal daily. How odd that this is a, uh, a, a truly a brutal, misogynistic Muslim culture 
and the other brutal misogynistic Muslim governments don't give enough of a goddamn about 12-year-old boys to prop up the government so that the little 12-year-olds don't have to die in mind collapses. Oh, well. Uh, what used to be a $90 a ton, uh, a ton of coal is now, under the Taliban government, a $200 ton of coal. And they're proud of that. Uh, some filthy beard in the uh, Ministry of Mining and Petroleum was bragging about that. And they're trying to get foreign investment in the mining sector. And frankly, you know what? When it comes to when it, a lot of like a lot of NGOs and whatnot are well, they pulled out of Afghanistan because of Afghanistan's policies in regard to among well, primarily uh, the, the the way they treat women. You know, other was known as abysmally. <laughs> you know, you know what? If there are if there are seams of accessible coal. Coal companies have no morals. Coal companies have no scruples. Coal companies have no ethics. I, I, I bet you. I bet you. If you were to show this, uh, show this article to Don Blankenship, he'd say, "Well, damn, ain't it a shame that I'm as old as I am? I'd love to go over there and start blowing them mountains up." It was a long time ago now that my. My mentor, Judy Bonds, said, Y'all, if we don't stop mountaintop removal in Appalachia, it's going to wind up all over the world. And guess what? It has. All uh, the coal, company, coal companies would be happy to Because it's a lot easier. Look, that's, that's labor-intensive, having little 12-year-old boys guiding, guiding loaded donkeys uh, carrying sacks of coal out of the coal mine. You have any idea what a crew of... Ten or fifteen guys with a couple of D9 cats and some ammonium nitrate fuel oil uh, it could do to those mountains. And, and we are talking, I think, about the Hindu Kush, aren't we? Some of the most majestic mountains on earth. Unforgiving, often impassable. By God, some coal executives could flatten it, uh, flatten it all to hell. Those aren't the oldest mountains on earth like Appalachia is. Those are like brand new brand new baby mountains. That's why they're so tall and steep and sharp and Yeah. But a coal company? Mm. A coal company wouldn't give a good goddamn how women are treated in Afghanistan, how children are treated in Afghanistan. If a coal company could make a buck there, you bet your ass the coal company will go. And in this case, it'll probably be a Chinese coal company. All these things sort of roll together for me because, well, memory. And, you know, I spent the weekend watching college football, at least in part. And so when I saw this story, I thought back to West Virginia's greatest football coach. Don Nealon. We've talked about Donnie from time to time. When Donnie retired from coaching the Mountaineers, um, 
he signed up alongside Bob Pruitt, former coach of the Thundering Herd down at Marshall. Well, Donnie signed up as a spokes uh, as a spokes creep for uh, the, the West Virginia Coal Association and the Friends of Coal. And one of the first jobs they gave him was to go out and decry the regulation of the mining industry. And he did his job. The mining industry is so overregulated. I don't know why, and this, these are his words, I don't know why we can't mine coal like they do in China. That year, 10,000 uh, 10, people died in Chinese coal mines. Well... They'll probably uh, other countries will be interested in finding ways to get more of that Afghan coal, and with every goddamn lump of it they burn, the planet gets a little less likely to support human life down the road. So it kind of makes you wonder uh, where all the uh, green energy folks are. You know, they, they used to talk about how many wind turbines China was putting up on the daily. How much solar. I wonder how much solar they're putting up in Afghanistan. And, of course, what a perfect place Afghanistan is as a manifestation of the resource curse. What? You got some good, you got some valuable stuff under your dirt? You're miserable? Oh, honey, y'all haven't figured out misery yet, because here comes the coal industry. wonder what it would be like to uh, translate, say, Big John or uh, oh, what was the... Uh, uh, Maybe John Prine's Paradise. Or 16 tons. Translate those into Pashtun. And you start singing that shit in Afghanistan, they'll probably cut your heads off. This is a depressing damn story. Uh, the filthy beard uh, who runs the mining and prospecting department of the Taliban said, uh, Our doors are open, especially for American and European companies. The one condition we have, if a foreign company comes here, they must have an Afghan partnership. And, you know, look the other way when women are beaten. When they're thrashed, when they're raped, when they're killed. But hey! You think an American coal company would think twice about that? Oh, hell no! Uh, Jawad Jahed said, uh, Business is very good. It's growing. He's an engineer who started managing coal mines in the uh, uh, government that you know, we propped up for so long. He went on to say, well, kids under 18 aren't supposed to work here, but our people are so poor, families have no choice. They send their children to work because they need the money, and it's hard for us to turn them away. And that's not a mistake. 
that's not a flaw, that's a feature. Resource colonies have to be kept desperate. Perpetually desperate. Now, the story I'm looking at notes that uh, in the Ministry of Labor, there's still a banner hanging that says it, it says they want to eliminate child labor. And that the Taliban supports an end to child labor. Sure they do. Sure they do. But this is just the natural evolution. At some point, someone will bring in uh, the necessary explosives and the necessary uh, humongous uh, dump trucks and the D9 caterpillars and whatnot. And caterpillar wouldn't wouldn't bat an eyelash if somebody ordered a shit ton of D9s to go to Afghanistan. And then the real fun can start. Maybe maybe do what I did and go uh, go on uh, Google Earth and start looking at those hills and start imagining them visible as giant cancers from space. Imagine the valleys filled in and the streams buried. And imagine the ultrafine particulate dust that blows over these people and they never even know it until they're dead because what you can't see can kill you. Been working on this for a long time here in Appalachia. The older boys in the Baglan mine say they've come to terms with whatever fate awaits them. It is the work of destiny, says 17-year-old Abdul Salam. If it is my destiny to die in these mines, then so be it. We always knowed coal mining was dangerous. Wonder how that translates into Pashtun too. See, they got no unions over there. I mean, this would this would be a coal company playground. The work days are ten hours. And the, and the story ends by noting. At the end of a 10-hour workday, a few young miners sit on a ledge overlooking this vast blackened landscape. One of, one of them pulls out a tiny flute. And he plays a little trill on the flute. And then he stops. The other boys ask him to play some more. But he can't. Because he doesn't have the breath. Because that's what black lung does. And so young Abdul may not die in the mines. Instead, he'll die in some forlorn shack, gasping for his last breath, just like more than a hundred thousand men have done right here in West Virginia over the course of the last century. Capitalism! Yay!
right? Sure. And so we've come to the end of the first hour of the program. We've got $100 to raise um, to finish off the $300 challenge. Thank you, Max, to finish off the $300 challenge for Bruce and Shirley's memorial challenge. I hope we can do that. I really do. That's a doubling challenge, remember. You put in a dollar. The people of uh, Chris in Germany and uh, and Ralphs and an anonymous person put in another dollar. And we only got to do that a hundred times. Or five at 20 or 10 at 10 or two at 50 or one at 100, etc. Uh, let me check uh, a couple of things. I've got a, well, uh, going back to the Nazi Pope, Matt in San Francisco says, first a dead billionaire and then a dead Pope? Maybe 2023 will prove to be a good year after all. You optimist. But see, that's the thing. Got a dead Nazi Pope, got dead Barbara Walters, poor Pele dead at 82, dot, dot, dot. And Henry Kissinger yet lives. That deal with the devil must have been something. Uh, A banner hanging, Stephen New York notes, what immediately came to my mind was the Arabic translation of Arbeit macht frei. Not wrong. Yeah, well, great minds think alike, Flavio. Flavio was thinking about the uh, cadaver synod, the cadaver trial of the dead pope. Uh, an ecclesiastical trial of Pope Formosus. He'd been about seven months dead. And they tried him in the Basilica of St. John Lateran in, 18, in 897. This, no, this wasn't during the Avignon Papacy. This was earlier than that. January 897. Pope Stephen VI held it. Um... Uh, he had Formosus's corpse exhumed and brought to the papal court for judgment. He accused Formosus of perjury, of having acceded to the papacy illegally, and illegally presiding over more than one diocese at the same time. And at the end of the trial, he was pronounced guilty, and his papacy retroactively declared null, and his body was chucked in the Tiber. And thank you to Charlene. Thank you, Charlene in Rogues Island, for getting us started this evening. We've only got 60 bucks to go now on Bruce and Shirley's Memorial Challenge. Thank you so much, Charlene, and a very happy New Year to you. And so I am tickled I am tickled because uh, with a little bit of a holiday slowdown in the uh, uh, in his work schedule, I get to, we get we get to have a conversation. Dan Fisher and I get to have a conversation. The irrepressible Dan Fisher, uh, absolute uh, treasure trove of knowledge of uh, of, of film and raconteur extraordinaire and one of my dearest friends of long standing uh, is with us now. Hey Dan, happy holidays. Hope your Christmas was great, your New Year's was wonderful, and that everything is just great at uh, Shea Fisher. Why, thank you, and uh, happy 2023 to you and to all who love you. Yeah, 23 and me. <laughs> And uh, it's been way too long. I'm, I'm so sorry that it's been way too long. But 2022 for me was a year in which I just I worked. I worked constantly. And uh, all of my work is uh, 
is is uh, in the city and as as uh, as well documented on this show by now I'm a I'm a suburbanite of New York City so every time uh, your show is on uh, those hours are when I'm generally trying to make my way through traffic out of the out of the Bronx or Brooklyn or or Long Island or somewhere and uh, I know by now that I'm I'm not good to call in uh, while I'm driving I'm I'm a person that's best uh, focusing on one thing at a time so if i if you don't want to hear a live car wreck on your uh, on your podcast which you know might bring up your uh, your daily uh, cash totals a little bit for the the thrill of that but uh, anyway uh, i well you you'd uh, have a you'd, dan you'd have a long way to go to uh, uh, match some of the previous exploits i mean uh, we were we were on friday on the front porch one evening when uh, when 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 Tracy, who you know is a cab driver, managed to yes. get dragged by her own cab. Oh Jesus! Yeah, live on the air. Live on the air. See, so even that, if I had, yeah, I I can't top that. Who could? She's okay. I'm I'm hoping in a. Story. Oh yeah, oh yeah, she is. She is. It was she just graduated it, last year, right? In, yes. In yes. Twenty twenty two. Yes. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. And now she's working on a master's degree. And congratulations to not dying by your own cab, you know. Good, good, good for you. Yeah, little golf clap. Yes, a little golf clap there for surviving that. But uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. It's it's been a very nice holiday. Um, we have had uh, well, we, our first ever empty nester Christmas and New Year's. No children as you know as we would call them even though they're in their 20s now uh phoebe uh my daughter is currently in spain right now uh in madrid she uh took the holidays to go to do a little uh college student kind of uh you know traveling through europe started in london then to paris and now in madrid and she will be back uh, at the end of this week in Washington, D.C., where she will continue her studies in her second year at George Washington University Law School. Wow. How did she like how did she like her one L year? She loved it. You know, she's she's a, she's always been a go getter and a and an a you know, type a kind of person. And and she just has a proclivity for just soaking up information and actually keeping it in her noggin for, you know, for a period of time. So uh, she she talks so goddamn fast these days. You know, it's uh, I can't keep up. I'm, I'm now the, I'm now like the TV sitcom Stupid Dad. We're like sitting at the table with with both of my kids is like they're just going like and this fact and this history and da 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 and I'm just like uh hey have you seen anything on Netflix lately you know I'm that guy now <laughs> but, that okay guy. but here's the question were you ever the fast talking kid at the dinner table I I mean I think compared to West Virginia standards sure I mean you know they talk a bit slow down there and uh but not that my folks spoke fluent West Virginia um they spoke more Pittsburghese I don't know. You'd have to ask my mom. My mom would love to tell you all about my childhood. Uh, she tends to tell me all about my childhood every time I call her. Well, uh, maybe we should do that. Sometime or other. Sure. Sure. I think you've, you've had my wife on. You've had uh, I think you've had both of my kids on. But I don't know if you've ever had. Uh, I don't I don't I, I know. We've, I know we've had Phoebe on. I don't know. I don't know if April's been on or not. Yeah. Yeah, and then April. Yeah, April was formerly April was born Gus. 
uh, back uh, in, in 1993, but April is now, uh, Gus is now April, has been April for about uh, two and a half years, probably longer than that. Um, it's hard for me to keep track. But uh, yeah, she is transitioning um, on hormone, hormones, not any kind of surgery just yet, but that's, you know, you do. That's you all, do, you know, that's all, that's, that's all individual. So I just, you oh, know, absolutely. but I'm, 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 I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that she's happy. Is, is she, is she still doing the documentarian thing? Uh, I think, what was it, Vermont? Yeah, she is working, she is working for, uh, going into her second year now, I guess, of working for the, um, the uh, Burlington Free Press in, in Burlington, Vermont, and that's a subsidiary of the Gannett News Organization, which uh, uh, does uh, USA Today, among other uh, more local newspapers. And she's very happy. They, you know, they pay her to basically make a one-minute little documentary to post online once a week, and it can be. Of very serious topics like a local teacher's strike at the university. Um, it could be about homelessness in Burlington, um, or it can be, you know, about pumpkin festivals or, you know, somebody that makes uh, giant sculptures out of tin cans and that kind of thing. And she's gotten really, really good at it. Um, I can see as a cinema file uh, father, I can see how much she's just grown as a filmmaker in her year or so of doing this and uh yeah she's doing great you know she's got a, a a girlfriend now named uh no i'm sorry she's got a boyfriend now named ryan who was born a girl and is now no longer a girl ryan is a boy you know it's just boyfriend girlfriend we don't even have to talk about the details behind it i know i know as as i as i like to quote the kinks girls will be boys and boys will be girls it's a mixed up muddled up shook up world and that's that's great, you know. I'm just. Uh, Did they know, meet in a club down in Old Soho where they drink champagne just like and it tastes just like cherry cola? Sorry, you did that. You, you brought up the lyric. I'm gonna follow with I it. You be, should I know. Had to, uh, okay, boomer, this thing, didn't I? Oh well, <laughs> kind of did, but kinda no, did. that's okay. I mean, we talk about music here. I'm an old DJ. What do you want? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, can you play me "Blinded by Science" by Thomas Dolby? Can I play it? it Maybe if you hum a few bars. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so everybody's doing well. And Helene, my, my lovely wife, also known as H.E. Fisher, has had not one but two books, two complete collections of poetry published last year. Was um, I in on the second one or the first one? Just the first one. That's um, Sterile Field. Um, you had a, a nice, uh, lengthy... Yeah, we had a lovely conversation. I thought it was absolutely fascinating, but I'm, now I'm finding out I missed out on book two. What? I don't, well, I didn't make, I didn't make, I didn't make the interview circuit for it? Book two is still, book two is, is, is actually a little, little smaller than the, than the first one. Book two is what's called, um, well, what do they call it? And it's sort of a, a, a chat book? A chat book. Ding, 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 ding. God. Um, yeah, it's a, she's got a chat book print, published uh, called uh, Jane Almost Always Smiles, which is uh, stuff about her and, and her life and her growing up, but also filtered through the Jane, Dick and Jane uh, books that we were. Oh, all, how clever. Uh, yeah. And it's 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 a really it's it's kind of in its own way a fun read, as well as dealing with things of 
childhood traumatic experiences. Wee! So it's uh, you should definitely have her on. She'd love to plug it. I mean, the books are still for sale, both of them. And, you know, we don't mind, you know, scraping our royalties a nickel at a time, however it gets done. Uh, nobody goes into poetry to get rich, of course, uh, but it's just been very satisfying uh, for her and for me to see so much of her and her stuff gets published in journals online. And, and, and we just had a, a published uh, journal come in today with, with one of her pieces in there. So she's just scribbling away and, and people like it and, and put it in their, in their magazines and in their journals and on, you know, and they publish it into book form, which is really fun and amazing. That's that, so, that, that's fantastic, ain't it though? Yeah. Well, I mean, and and it's like it. Uh, even even law can be an art form. I mean, yours is a yours is a very very artistically tuned family. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess so. You know, uh, we've we've always. I mean, it's not like we were always like playing Mozart around the house or anything, but we've always had. You know, there's always something going on in terms of of making something. You know, making something from scratch that you can point at and say, you know, I did this. It's a little piece of me. And um, yeah, that's me with barbecue. Yeah. Hey, you know, whatever your 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 form is, is, if you can if you can make something from nothing and people enjoy it or at least you enjoy it, that's that's what it's about. And it's kind of, and frankly, Dan, it's this program every, you know, Monday through Friday for three hours. I mean, yeah, we've talked about that and it blows. It blows my mind that uh, uh, this spring will be 20 years since I came back to the microphone. Wow! It was it was so it was so. Uh, I mean, back in the early part of this century, I had started being. It, well, I've talked a lot on here about how much I dream and how annoying it is, and it's like spending all night watching a movie you didn't necessarily wanted to see, especially uh, especially when they're like, you know, Fellini meets Pee Wee Herman kind of stuff. Um, and you just have to sit and watch it. Oh, but awesome. but back in the back in the late nineties and early aughts, I had started having night after night after night after night the DJ's nightmare, which is very similar to the actor's nightmare, and I know you know what that is. Yes, uh, I would be in the studio and I would be playing a song, and the pots didn't work, and the, nothing would fade, and I couldn't get my segues to to, to work right, and. And I couldn't hit the network breaks, and it was dead. And I just wake up in a cold sweat. And the thing, and, and oddly enough, when I when I when I got back behind the microphone, ta-da! They went away. Hmm. Well, you know, it's been over four years now since I've been a prop master. Since I've spent much of my time on a film set, most of the, I mean, I still work in the film business, as you know. And in the industry, but for the most part, I'm not on set and the pressures of my life have decreased significantly because of that. But at the same time, like you, you know, those pressures of of what my life once was, those those don't leave me. And they 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 are they arrive. I can't say nightly at this point, but I'd say the majority of my dreams are still about me being on a film set and either having no idea what's going on. Or that people are expecting me to provide things that uh, that I simply don't have, and that you know, and uh, that dream was was sometimes in a way my reality for a lot of years, for thirty years of being told, "What do you mean you don't have this thing that I just thought of asking you about?" You know, 
after all those meetings in the script, how can you not have this thing that I just, you know, conjured up out of my butthole? Yeah. Well, I don't, you know. So what have you been working on? Well, um, it, it was, uh, I started out the year, uh, I was working as the picture car coordinator for a show that just premiered yesterday on Netflix yes. called Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope? Kaleidoscope. Uh, it is a show, uh, I think it's, I think there's eight episodes and it is a heist. It's a show about um, this, like the biggest heist of all time. It's all fictional, um, and it tells it through different periods of time, uh, going back to 24 years, uh, how the criminals – you meet the characters 24 years ago, and you see that the Giancarlo Esposito is, a, is, is an expert cat burglar. He's always been, and then 24 years later, he's, he's older, and, but he's still, he's still busting into to places that aren't meant to be busted into. Um, it's, it's just a, one of those fun little heist shows or movies that, you know, there's that, the impossible safe that nobody can get into until a crack team of misfits, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you do that way too well. Until a oh, crack team of thing. misfits. Yes. Until one day. You know? <laughs> in a um, world where. In a world where he learned how to be human. Um, but anyway, I have no, I so have a, I have a dear friend from all the way back in the bad old days of me being little gospel DJ, uh, uh -huh. and he, he's he's had a, he's had God's own announced voice I think since he was born, and he's actually the yeah he, he actually his one of his one of his uh, online handles is in a world guy. Yeah, I forget what that guy's name is. God, I know it, but I don't know it. Um, but yeah, what a life! I, I think he also did. Uh, for ABC, the Inner World guy also did the Love Boat. You know, this this Saturday on Fantasy Island, he was the same guy, Don something or other. Yeah, this is a different guy, but uh, yeah, yeah, but he had that voice. Mm -hmm. I used to like to do the movie. Phone. I don't know if you've got movie phone down in West Virginia, or if you ever did, but you know, before Fandango and online everything, there was a number you could call movie phone. Oh yeah, and like you know. If the movie you'd like to see is Star Wars, press one now. And that's where you get the uh, Kramer making the joke in one of the Seinfelds about, why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see? Um, which, if you've seen it, it's very funny. If I retell no, it. No, I know. Funny. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, Kaleidoscope. It's on Netflix. It's if you want. It, the thing is, too, they make this big deal. The producers did when we were shooting it, and I think they're doing it while they're promoting it, too. Where it's like supposedly you can watch it in any – they've constructed it so you can watch the episodes in any order you want, and you'll still be able to follow the story. Like you could look at it as just a bunch of flashbacks and flash forwards, or you can just watch it in chronological order. Um, I am watching it right now with, with Lean in chronological order, and it's fun. You know, it's – it's not uh, it's not going to make you question your life's values, but it is it is an accomplished little uh, little entertainment machine. Just cool. I'm firing it up this evening. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's fun. And then so I. I so that. has that been has that I was going to say, has that been most of the past year? No, no, not at all. I jumped off that to start on a Julia Roberts movie also for Netflix um, that is not out yet. Um um, oh God! Um, 
is it? Um, I'm blanking. Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, and it is called. Um, oh, I'm blanking on it. Why? Ah, I'm crazy. Uh, I am so. Anyway, um, I did that, and then I did a little bit. When that was over, I did a little bit of Law and Order, the reboot, uh, the of the original series, uh, and then now I'm on. I'm on a show I really love called Severance. Do you know of Severance? Yes. Yes. It is on Apple TV. Um, I happened to watch the first season and really, really dug it. And then and then I found out like the day after I finished the last episode of season one that my team and I of, of set dressers and my friend Carrie, who is my boss, uh, that we were going to be doing season two. So I was really overjoyed. And it's 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 a it's a it's a mind fuck of a show. Um, it's 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 kind of science fiction. Yeah. See, I haven't gotten I didn't get into it yet because I did perceive that it was kind of a mind fuck. And yeah. I didn't yeah. know if I was ready to have my mind fucked. Right. And you can't be just like washing the dishes while you while you watch this show. You got to sit down. No, you got to invest. Focus on it. Uh, the Julie Roberts movie is called Leave the World Behind. I just looked it up. Yes. Yeah, leave the world behind uh, with Marasha Ali. Uh, forgive me for mispronouncing it. Marasha Ali and Ethan Hawke, and uh, it's based on a novel um, that uh, was one of President Obama's favorite novels of that whatever year it came out. And uh, I'm I'm guessing I don't know when it's going to come out. Uh, we we worked on it last uh, last summer, and uh, now we're we're waiting to see when Netflix stains to release it. I imagine it'll have some sort of theatrical release as well you know to maybe get oscar stuff at some point or other who knows i that's not my my job so yeah so i did uh, leave the world behind i did law and order the reboot for for about a month or so and then i jumped on to severance and yeah so severance um do you know what it's about at all if you heard the the, the I, saw, I, I saw the trailer but it was a while back yeah it's a corporation uh that takes place in this corporate and it's hard to tell what time period it is. Um, we deliberately, the design of the show is deliberately, it could be the future, it could be the present, it could be the 80s. Um, and, but anyway, in this corporation, all of the employees um, have this form of brain surgery done where a chip is implanted into their heads that makes them, when they're at work, they can't remember anything about their home and their private lives. And when they're at home, they can't remember anything about their work lives. So it's that it's addressing that thing where people sometimes bemoan, oh, I just wish I could leave the, the my job at the office and come home and not think about my job at all. Or, you know, geez, you know, the workers would be really a whole lot more efficient if we could get them to stop talking about their their kids and, you know, where they went on vacation. Well, in the world of severance, that's not an issue because they're completely separate worlds. One's called the any world. That is that that happens within the corporate environment and the outie world, which is what happens in your life uh, when you're not at work. And as uh, it's, you know, and then, of course, if it turns out it's not as idyllic as it seems and all kinds of uh, interesting complications ensue with uh, uh, Adam Scott and um, John Turturro. And and uh, Christopher Walken among among others in a very strong cast. We got a lot of Emmy nominations. We won a couple of them for something or other, uh, not the big ones, but that's okay. 
And it's really something. And I'm really proud to be working on it. It's a very design intensive show. Um, ben Stiller is the executive producer. And he is very, very hands on in terms of every aspect of the show, including the visuals. So everything we do has to be camera tested and approved by Ben and others before we can actually do things. And so much of our stuff, even a chair, is custom made because, again, this world is is its own world. So it's. It, it, we don't want to know when when we are. So the computers look kind of like 1980s computers, was kind of 1980s graphics. But yet people have cell phones. Uh, it's but yet most of the time they're flip phones. But and the cars are sort of you it could be any era. So it's just this self-contained world that is just really startling visually, and it really will uh, get your brain going if you uh, if if you watch the show and you just you know that thing of what is reality, what is, is it reality. scary. No, it's not scary. Okay, it's not, you can handle it. I, I, I okay. I don't. I don't do horror movies. Oh, that's right. You don't do horror. This is weird. I like weird. You see, I like no weird. weird and suspense. I can handle scary. I can't. Okay. I, okay. I, no. I, no. 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 I take that. I take that back. You know, I, I can. I can handle the occasion. There's actually a term for it. Uh, uh, it's a jump something. Um, jump. Like a jump scare. Yeah, jump scare. I can handle the occasional jump scare. Yeah, you mean the cat that just you know comes out of the uh, comes out of the shadows right before the real monster intrudes. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know it's weird. I don't know. I don't know how. Now that I think about it, I don't know how exactly how to characterize it because you know I can handle blood and gore and guts and in in a, in a war movie because that's what war is, right? Yeah. You know, Dude running around in a, in a hockey mask with a chainsaw chasing girls who don't know better than not to go into the basement. I, I can't. That's okay. You know, that's the thing, too. That, you know, I see online sometimes in comments, people will be like, you have to watch this, you have to watch that, or, oh, that sucks, or, oh, that's great. And you, you know, it's like, you know what, you, this is all, there's so much out there for you, and it's all for you, and you can you can choose what you want and don't don't watch what you don't want and and that's great you know I mean there's something for everybody out there there's more than enough for everybody out there in terms of entertainment and nobody nobody says you have to watch a scary movie I mean yeah your friends are like you have to watch this no you don't you you watch what you want you know and and like I don't even like this thing of like you know I've really come to realize that. Yeah, you know, best this or best that, best actor, best movie. What? It's all bullshit, you know. I mean, it's how it it makes you react. And I guarantee you, somebody out there liked the movie ad- adaptation of Cats, and they're not wrong. <laughs> there, there they're it is. There's wrong. the benchmark standard. But if they liked it, if it if it affected them, if it made something right. change in them just a little bit, or made them happier in a world full of shit and misery. All right, that's that's fine. You know what? That's good enough. Yeah, it lost a lot of money for its uh, production company, and that's that's a shame. But it gave a lot of people jobs for a period of time, and now out there somewhere, there are people that that either you know watch it and love it unironically, or you know, listen, I watched the movie. The, I watched about half half of Cats before turning it off. I was trying to hate watch it. 
just to see like how bad. But I bet if I were like kind of drunk or maybe with a bunch of friends, maybe some of my old theater friends, maybe I'd love it. It's all about context, right? Sure. Anyway, you know, by the way, too, I, I was listening to your show today, uh, starting at about 5.15. And, I mean, it's okay to be, like, all all happy and goofy right now, right? I mean, because you, you were laying down some really heavy stuff there. And I well, yeah, like, and, okay. and, you know, I like to, I like to balance it, I, you know, because there's a lot of heavy stuff to talk about. I mean, I haven't... And, oh, this is hard to characterize, but, like, tomorrow, I don't know whether to get, I don't know whether to get up and uncork a bottle of bad tequila or get up and pop popcorn, because right. tomorrow in the House of Representatives is going to be zany. Uh, there's, 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 I mean, there's been all, Kevin, Kevin McCarthy has made tomorrow what must see TV. You know what? I agree. I, I mean, agree. Uh, I saw a story before I came on air that said he's moving his all of his shit into the speaker's office, even though he, even even though you know the maggots object, and he's 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 given away he's given away all kinds of concessions. It looks like even if, given the concessions that he's made, uh, the minute somebody puts the gavel in, the minute Nancy hands him the gavel. It's 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 gonna it's gonna it's gonna be Brutus and Cassius all over again. Only it's gonna be two hundred. It's gonna be like you know a dozen a dozen members of the maggot caucus. Well, the line between politics and entertainment. And I love it. Okay, I you know as far as I'm concerned, I hope it doesn't hurt too little. Yeah. Now uh, I was just saying you know especially. In, in this era of post-Fox, I mean, you know, politics is entertainment now. And those who participate in it, they're fully aware of it. I mean, you know, they've got social media people. They've got, you know, uh, they've, they've got stylists. They've got optics experts. And, you know, who knows how much of the maggot stuff they actually, honest to God, believe? Or are they just playing to the... The same, you know, people who uh, who think pro wrestling is real uh, to uh, to give them, you know, all the red meat they want to chew on. Uh, with all respect to my friends who enjoy red meat, uh, but you know, I mean, Fox really just uh, there are so many terrible things one can say about Fox, but you got to give it credit. It really, it just, it 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 really zapped in on that uh, that dividing line between news. And entertainment tonight, and it's just sort of like you know we're going to give you choose your own adventure TV, and we're going to give you, you know, we're going to tell you who the bad guys are, and we're going to tell you who the good guys are. And guess what? Sometimes the the bad guys aren't the Nazis. You know, it's just, it's they've just created this world of a narrative, and and now you've got characters playing to that narrative. You've got. You know, you've got somebody going into, you know, it's it is fascinating to watch. And we watch it all now like it's it's a show, like it's like Survivor or something. I mean, hell, you know, America elected, thank God for only one term, a reality show host, you know, and he was even, you know, people's like, oh, he was a self-made billionaire. And I was like, he was playing the part of a billionaire. Uh, even the, the show uh, Celebrity Apprentice, that was shot on a set. That boardroom 
is not real. That's not a real boardroom. No, of course, not no, of course not. Happened. I mean, it, 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 once again, I find myself saying, "Are there really people who think it was?" I know people who think it was. Are they I the same people, people that think wrestling is real? A billionaire, as if Daddy didn't give him a half billion dollars startup money. But I don't want to talk too much about he who shall not be named. No, it's okay. I mean, we, we can we can do that. But the fact of the matter, you know, I've got I've got a laundry list. I want to see a little, um, you know, we 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 speak plainly around here, Dan. I mm-hmm. want to see the fucker indicted. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to. Hell, I'd like to see him stuck in Supermax right next door to the blind sheik and the Unabomber. As far as I'm concerned, his actions were that terrible. They were unprecedented. You know, you and I are old enough to remember the days of Richard Milhouse Nixon. And he was certainly a, a psychotic person, that that man was, um, and, and a corrupt president. But he really, it, you know, the, the number 45 really makes Nixon look just like uh, the mayor of, uh, of Hooterville in terms of, uh, you know, what do you dare do in the name of, uh, of power? You know, it's, it's astounding. But listen, I, maybe... I don't know. You know, this is January 2nd, and um, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic this year so far. I'm, I'm more than cautiously. I'm, I'm daring to be optimistic. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. It depends on whether we're talking the personal or the, or the global or the, the you know, the, the, the nation as a whole. Um, it's, it's, I'm optimistic for myself. I'm I'm I'm, I'm taking I'm I'm going to don't know enough about the globe as a whole. Uh, I'm uh, you know I'm I'm that American that that knows mostly the confines of the 50 states. But I'm optimistic for this. Uh, I th- you know that that uh, November came and went. The red wave wasn't much of a wave at all, and uh, and I think it really showed that yeah you know there's definitely let's say 30 to 40 something percent of Americans who are, you know, loud and aggressive, and they sure as hell love their guns, but we still are the majority, you know, and yeah, not in everywhere, you know, certainly I wouldn't go, you know, talking about, uh, uh, you know, putting Trump in jail if I were back in my old hometown, for instance, that would probably get me run out on a rail. Oh, I do that here, too. I mean, you know. Yeah, but yeah, they're used to you, maybe. But that's me, right. You're also big. You're you're big and strong. You can take some. You're an ex football player. Shut up. I'm Lady a, or not, I'm, I'm a dainty petite little bio girl. Quit it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, when I say global, you know, one of the things I've been hammering on uh, for a long time, well, relatively speaking, for the last month or so, are these statistics coming out of, of you know com- coming out of China. The projection for something like 233 million new COVID infections in China alone, 2 million COVID deaths in China alone, and this new variant already has a foothold in the Northeast, and that worries me about you, and I trust you're still masking. I still mask. I still isolate. I do all the things. Nobody around me does much anymore, but I'm I'm still forthright in my. And I managed to get through. I managed to get through the last several months and did not get the booster. 
So I got my booster on Saturday, Ooh. and it was at my arm's sore. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much it. Uh, but I'm hoping that that will. They say it doesn't doesn't afford protection against the new variant, but in, that's in terms of keeping you from getting it at all. But hopefully, it, it, but they say that once again, it'll keep you out of the hospital, and that's a big one for me. Sure. But I said I'm 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 quiet. I'm 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 trying to be reasonably optimistic. I'm trying to take I'm going to, trying to take better care of myself. Um, I've got goals for that. Not New Year's resolutions. I don't do those. Those are just doomed to fail. No, you should always have goals. Yeah, Every but yeah, life. but New Year's resolutions are specific are are, are particularly. Um, well, losers. Mm-hmm. So well, these are these are goals yeah. that are going to be across the year. So get up, get your lazy ass to the gym, that kind of thing, and hopefully I will. Yeah. See, I can't. I can't. I don't really feel comfortable in gyms any more than I do restaurants or other places uh, of social gatherings where yeah, everybody around me is masked. But I do go into stores now. I do that masked, and I have little tricks I do to sort of try to keep people away from me. And I'll hold my breath if I have to pass somebody in close proximity. There's little things I do because, uh, you know, I get it. You know, because there's, you know, I, I think I think the majority of us are vaccinated now. I don't hear so much from the crazy yahoos anymore. But maybe, maybe oh, they're, they're out there. They're out there. Believe you me. All you got to do is jump on Reddit and go to Herman Cain Award, and yeah. They're, yeah. they're they're there. Oh, they're there. But you know, it seems to be now where people are like. I mean, I have friends who are vaccinated many times over and have done all the right things, but they're not wearing masks because they're like, yeah, you know, if I get COVID, I'll just have to you know wait it out. I don't think it's going to kill me. My kids have each gotten COVID. Um, neither Helene nor I have. And uh, have you have you gotten no gotten the- no I have not wow. to the best to the best of my knowledge I have not I've done everything I can to take care of myself and but, to, you know, to be proactive point, in that regard I certainly I certainly know more people who've gotten it than who haven't gotten it you know so it's like okay at this point where it's not it's not as frightening to me as it was two three years ago nearly three years ago. And that I don't know necessarily if I were, if I were to get it, will I die? I don't, you know, my doctors don't think so. I mean, they still are like, if you get it, you're coming in right away, and we're going to give you the the hardcore stuff, you know, because right. I have, you know, to newbie listeners, I take immunosuppressants every day, so and I will for the rest of because my life. you are a heart transplant patient. Because I'm a heart transplant uh, recipient, having uh, gone on my fourth birthday. Uh, of that uh, occasion. Wow, is it four years? Yeah. Four years, yeah. September 2018, some uh, poor soul died, and I got to get keep living. Things. Yeah, I got to keep living. Well, you have to you have to remember that it was uh, it was COVID that finally drove me out of the closet. Yes, yes, I remember because I was I was scared. You know, there was no vaccine, and I had been you know the 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 din of of gender dysphoria was just clanging louder and louder and louder. And finally, I, I just had this little conversation with myself that said, you know, 
not going to die this way. You know. Uh-huh. And now I, you know, uh, I, I adopted uh, the title of a Robert Frost poem as sort of my own personal, um, personal philosophy. You know, happiness makes up in height for what it lacks in length. So you revel in you revel in the height of the height of the height of the happiness, and be ready for the fact that it's not going to last forever. But no. but getting to have that happiness is everything. Yes. Well, uh, uh, my my assertion, uh, yeah, Lee in New York, um, not far from you, says, uh, uh, Robin, dainty, petite, tall, former football player, and unique. Well, that's sweet, Lee. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm. Um, but it, it's um, there's stuff to worry out worry about out there. I mean, if you pay attention to the right wing, you know, we're going to be at war with China tomorrow, or maybe Russia, or both. But I don't pay attention to those people. Um, I do worry about the war in Ukraine. I would like for Mother sure. Russia to, to seeing as how they won't do it voluntarily, I want to see them driven off of every last square inch of Ukrainian soil back to their pre-2014 borders. And I think, I mean, I, I think that's, a, you know, in light of the fact that all the aggression has come from Mother Russia, then, you know, they, 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 they reap what they've sown. Absolutely. You pick the fight, and now you're getting smacked in the nose. Right, and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And that's one of the things I worry about with this clown show in the house, is that they will hang Ukraine out to dry. I hope they mm-hmm. don't, but look, that that's just another that's just another number. I mean, in the next two years, we're going to see the almost nonstop vilification of Dr. Fauci, which is a lousy way for him to spend the sun, uh, the, 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 his golden years now that he's retired. Um, we're gonna, it, it's gonna be. They can just change the name of Fox News to Hunter Biden twenty four seven. Right. Uh, I, I thoroughly expect to see, and I will be surprised if I'm wrong. I hope I well, kind of hope I am. I, I expect to see the impeachment of of uh, of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You think it'll really get that far? You think they can successfully? Do, I I don't see that, but uh, I've been wrong about a lot of things. Well, they I mean, can, I, they can, they can certainly, they can certainly, and and I can see where they would think it would be a, a wise political strategy to impeach him and have the hearings, and basically it would be one long campaign ad for whoever's going to be the Republican nominee for president in twenty four. But the thing is, the thing is, you know, how strong do you appeal to the MAGAs without replicating what? The midterms just showed us, which is, yeah, you'll get the MAGA vote, but that's not enough to carry you over the threshold. But the MAGA vote, but the thing is, Dan, the MAGA vote wasn't enough to carry him over the threshold in 2016 either. No. And there are some, there are, well, probably the remaining, remainder of the Republican Party is entirely, totally feckless, and they will vote for whoever has an R behind their name. So if it turns out that it's Ron Monkey up DeClantis, who would like to eat trans children for breakfast every morning, or if it turns out to be Nitwit Nero. Either way, you've got that 
33% that's the hardcore, you know, maybe 40% that's the hardcore maggot base. And then you've just got to scare up 10% uh, 10% of the Republicans who just want whatever tax cut the Republicans are promising. And right. and 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 uh, everything else can hang fire. And then and then there's the then there's the problems within the Democratic Party itself. You know, uh, over yeah. the last over the last year, we've watched too many Democrats come out and say things like, "Well, I don't think Joe Biden should run again." It's yeah, like it's, it's like people don't it's like people don't learn history. You know, Ted Kennedy didn't think Jimmy Carter should have a second term, and we got the first term of Ronald Reagan instead. Okay, okay, breathe. Let me let me he, let me respond. To, he. Let me respond to a few things. First of all, as we know by now, public memory is even shorter and shorter than it was five years ago. Let alone back in the days of Jimmy Carter. You know, you it's it's astounding how much how so many things that are deemed important in the news cycle can within a month or two months be forgotten entirely poof they didn't exist and and you know some of that is 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 by by design it's it's you know certainly by 24 7 news outlets of of all uh you know not just fox but cnn and all the others too that have to keep filling in new content to get you to turn in uh tune in to whatever they're they're showing you so you can only hold on to certain stories for so long, and then you let them go, and you got to churn up something else to generate outrage or whatever it is that gets clicks. But also, too, I don't. Here's the thing: I don't think that Nitwit Nero can do it again. I mean, I know, yes, we all said that in 2016, but he was still. I mean, it seemed out, outlandish. I mean, the Republican Party didn't think that he could do it in 2016. And he proved them wrong, yes, by, you know, being a, being a media, a skillful media manipulator. But I don't think he can manipulate the narrative to, that as effectively anymore. I think that, you know, things like indictments, I think that things like, you know, all of the things he said, you know, yeah, we don't always remember the terrible things he said and done. He did so many terrible things and he said you know he said so many awful horrible things that you just it just becomes white noise after a while and people move on to new things because they just get burnt out by it anyway i just i think that the the trump brand is tarnished to an extent i can't see it working again for a general election maybe it gets him nominated if desantis doesn't have the goods who knows but i can't see him taking the office again. I can't see Americans letting themselves be fooled with that. Well, he's a successful businessman thing. Uh, I can't see that happening again. People. Yeah, know that, I is. think that ship sailed and sunk. Yeah, yeah. People know what he is, and they either love it or they hate it. And more people hate it. I mean, that's the thing too. When they talk about well, all the voting irregularities of the of twenty twenty, it's like, well, you know, what was irregular was you had somebody that was like again, like a like a WWE villain, you know, running for a second term as president. People hated him. Yeah, people loved, but more people hated him. It was really a referendum on Trump. That's what the election of twenty twenty was, and more people said no, please God no, than they said yes, hell yes, 
And thank thank God for that. I mean, I wasn't nuts about Joe Biden. I'm, I'm grateful to have him as president now. Uh, it's 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 refreshing to just look in the news every day and not see the president of the United States saying or doing something that's just embarrassing. Let alone yeah, that makes you want to pull the covers over your head. Right. Yeah. Embarrassing. And, 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 and as, I, as I have said a hundred times, if I've said it once, I was so wrong about Joe Biden. I was so wrong about him. He he has turned out to be the man for his time, as far as I'm concerned. And listen, yeah, I think so. And even, look, I said, you know, when he was running, I said, and he's going about, oh, I'm going to be the bipartisan president. I'm going to bring people together. It's like, you know what? Infrastructure bill happened. And I don't know if that's the magic of Joe Biden or just a lot of people behind the scenes making 10,000 deals. But it got done. And I never thought that anything bipartisan could ever happen again, ever, in Washington. So it shows there's still possibilities for that. And so I'm grateful for that. And I, yeah, you know, prices went up last year. You know, the the inflation goes up, it goes down. Uh, Gas prices go up, they go down. You know, can it be directly linked to a presidency and an administration and their, their economic choices? Kind of, but kind of not. I'm I'm being Mr. Mr. Oatmeal on this one and just being as 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 noncommittal as possible. But I think at the end, you know, yeah, Americans don't want to pay, you know, more than they're used to for a gallon of milk. But at the same time, they don't want President Crazy Pants, you know, uh, talking all kinds of shit about people that they might like and love. And, yeah, there's, you know, and DeSantis has enough people in Florida, you know, who voted for him, even though he's full of hateful spew. But, you know, Florida ain't the United States. And I, it's, you know, and, and thankfully, too, I think, you know, we've, we've got more and more of the United States moving to cities and to suburbs, which tend to be less right wing. You know, minds are generally more open in city environments and more you know, it's get the population is getting less and less white and more and more non-white. And that's another thing. It's like, what benefits you? You know, there, I can't say how any black voter would vote for Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump. But, you know, obviously there were. And we know that there were some, you know, there is a large uh, Hispanic population that uh, supports Trump. Uh for what reasons I I shouldn't be the one to define or describe, but overall I I don't know I'm I'm going to cling to optimism I I like being optimistic, and I I have to believe that that we're still the majority, and I think that recent statistics have proved that, and yeah we 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 don't necessarily threaten to shoot other people or or build a gallows on on the steps of of Capitol Hill, but you know we do have some power left just in the fact that. There's more of us than there are them. Well, and I, I, I'm not in disagreement, but I think we also have. One of the things that worries me is that not nearly enough people will be prosecuted out of January the sixth. People need. I mean, these six month, yeah. these, these ninety day wonders, these six month slaps on the wrist. We need a lot of people doing hard time in a hard federal time. Because. I, you know, we went. One of the things we've said here—it's been a while since you've been on the program—but one of yes. the things we've said here regularly and routinely is, um, I, I, "Y'all, they're going to do it again." 
and I was corrected, and I think rightly so. It's more like y'all they're still doing it. I worry about. Uh, I I pay too well. I pay close attention to the rise of 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 right wing extremism, the neo Nazis and the Proud Boys, and because they, and they we need to. It, it 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 feels it feels like this is. This is where we're we're being tested to find out, you know, like uh, uh, what what Lincoln said what in, in the Gettysburg Address, whether this nation or any nation so constituted can long endure. And these are people who actively want it not to long, uh, not to endure anymore. They want to divide the house until it does not stand. Yes, and and and, and the, the fact that and and the fact of these uh, and there's a lot of people in our community here who are following these stories, these attacks on substations mm-hmm. and this Nazi accelerationism. You know, it's it, when the Nazis marched in Charlottesville uh, uh, chanting, Jews will not replace us, they were very obviously identifiable. But with the, these, these substation attacks are much more insidious, much more subversive, and much harder to prosecute. Because you're probably never going to see anyone on uh, like security cam footage, because this is somebody with a, with, a, with a high-powered rifle and a bench rest, uh, you know, half a mile away with a scope. Mm-hmm. And if they decide to ramp this up, and it proves to them that they can be successful with this, it's going to be Katie bar the door. Because these people are not going away, and the, and 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 every time, uh, every time somebody gets off with a slap on the wrist out of January sixth, they're going to be further emboldened. I'm sorry, I'm being a real little ray of fucking sunshine, aren't I? That's okay. You know, you're giving me uh, some reality to digest, and um, I don't know. I guess I still believe too that. Listen, I've seen I've seen signs of good things, of things. Li- especially like a month or two prior to the election. It wasn't just the results of the election that that made me feel better about things. It was the fact that, that yeah, through all of the efforts at, at voter suppression, we, you know, votes still got out. People, there's, there's still, you know, we, yes, we know what they're doing, but we have organizations that know, you know, that are working very hard to combat that, you know, the ACLU, or, or the anti-suppression organizations that, you know, are still going to keep needing money to keep going to court, you know, for both the illegal and, and legal attempts at suppression. Um, but just that there are also like judges that have shut down, you know, Trumpian's attempts at, at, uh, at overcoming democracy and subverting democracy, because whether or not you're Republican, quote unquote, or Democrat, quote unquote, you you know you should still believe in democracy, and otherwise, why are you here? You know, and the thing is, is that democracy can suck sometimes. Democracy is what got us Donald Trump, you know, with uh, as president because of the screwed up electoral college, college system that we were fine with until well, we weren't fine with it. We lived with it until it it brought us that. Um, I don't know. I and George I, W. Bush I in America, and I believe we still have protectors out there of the Constitution, of the truth, of and and I think it's because we have made so many headways 
that it, it, it it's what makes the those who who aren't for progress it makes them angrier it makes them strike back even harder because they know they're losing the battle i mean it's it, if we can steer it back a second to something i know a lot more about which is pop culture, sure. you know, all of these people that are like, go woke, go broke, and I won't see a woke movie, meaning anything that doesn't star a white heterosexual protagonist, male, preferably. Um, you know what? You're losing that. Culturally, you are losing because uh, pop culture is creating more and more lead actors, lead characters who aren't in those traditional lanes, and and the people who are creating those stories and funding those stories, fewer and fewer of them are necessarily white men. Uh, you know, so more and more, so many streaming has given an avenue of uh, of diverse storytelling and diverse representation that uh, the movie studios and the TV uh, networks uh, didn't allow us for for most of my life. But now. In a world where straight white guys no longer... Okay, sorry, I had to do that. Yeah, but that's the thing, too. And then straight white guys like myself are bemoaning, like, oh, now we're not allowed to be the heroes of the story. Now we're not allowed to do this. It's like, we're not allowed to say this or that. It's like, no, <clears throat> listen, you only get to be the lead character in 90% of everything, okay? I know you like being in the 100%, but now you have to be content with only being the lead character and tell the story from your point of view 90% of the time. Okay. You big fat baby. I mean, geez, Louise, do you have to have everything? And you know what, if we brought that, well, yes, I mean, that's, that's the, that's that's the the problematic answer. Yes, it does have to be, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And it's like, well, uh, uh, you know, a, a movie with a white straight protagonist male is a movie. Let's go see a movie. And we just say, oh, you know, it's going to be with Clint Eastwood or Leo or whatever. But if it stars a black person, well, that's a black movie. You know, The Best Man or whatever, or, or Wakanda, that's still a black movie. Or right, but movie. I don't understand why that's a black movie, but all the white movies aren't white movies. Because or is that what you were getting default. at? That's where I'm getting at. Default is still, by many, too many people considered, if it's, if it's representing the white male very quote-unquote traditional point of view then it's just that's default it's just a movie it's just a tv show i don't know why you're making a big deal of this but if a gay character lgbtq character is the protagonist of a love story oh they're trying to jam it down our throats what with the one story or that comes out a year that's jamming down your throat my friends what will we tell the children yeah yeah, moral panic. What you're talking about is moral panic. Moral panic. Well, and also the the panic of of those who see they that if you were to tell a lot of people that look like you and me that you know what you're you're for white supremacy, they'd be, they'd be like, oh, they'd be scandalized. Like, how dare you? I've got a black friend, or I had a black roommate, or I'm yeah, for, oh. yeah. He, you you like things the way they were, and the way they were weren't wasn't really dishing out everything equitably, you know. So that's really what it's about, and you know, uh, it's not woke. It's just trying to even things out a little bit, you know, and it's just trying to tell 
stories other than the same goddamn one over and over and over again, or at least from somebody else's perspective, because that just gets boring to me. I mean, what do I want to just keep seeing people like me? You know, I want to see something new. I want to see something different. Right. I mean, it, I en- I enjoy different perspectives. I I, yeah. en- I enjoy I enjoy having because art is supposed to challenge. You know, we've had we've had that conversation. Mm-hmm. If art ma- if art just if art just confirms you and makes you feel good about yourself, it's not very artistic, is it? Yeah. Have you seen um Have you seen Everything Everywhere All at Once? No. Oh my God! It to me it's the best movie not only of this year. It's the best movie I've seen in years. And I was online, you know, looking at comments. Somebody posted something about it. And it was one of the, I think it was an ad for something or other, but it it mentions everything everywhere all at once, which has a primarily Asian cast, all Asian cast, mostly. Jamie Lee Curtis is hysterical and she's great. But, and there were like people on there complaining about it being woke cinema or God, it was so boring my wife fell asleep 10 minutes in. Are you kidding? Like, there's constant action in this movie. There's there's the f- most hilarious kung fu sequences you've seen in any movie. There's weird shit going on all around. It's it's edited hyperkinetically, but it, brilliantly. You, you'd have to be a narcoleptic to fall asleep in that movie. You know, can you just not handle a movie with people who aren't, you know, like the folks you know down the block. I mean, God's sakes, it's brilliant. Um, well, okay. Uh, do you, would you happen to be know which platform it's on? Uh, it well, you can get. I watched it on the Showtime streaming platform, which I don't ordinarily subscribe to, but I did one of those um, one week free trials, and it was great. I would, I would maybe even consider. You know, getting a, getting Showtime again for another month for seven ninety nine or whatever to watch that movie a second time because it is just so imaginative and you know it, it does a lot of the things that Marvel movies do in terms of lots of action scenes, some some amazing special effects, but it makes the Marvel movies look dull in comparison into how creatively the choices are made to use a fight scene or to use how, how something is uh, a special effect is filmed and for what purpose it's like, this is, this is somebody who's very, 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 uh, just hyperkinetically creative. It's actually co-directors, two directors named Daniel something and Daniel something. So they call themselves the Daniels directed by the Daniels. Just brilliant movie. Brilliant. Um, have you seen RRR yet? No. That's on Netflix. Okay. Um, it is a three-hour long. Um, it's from India, but it's it's not in it, – it's, it, it's, it's, forgive me, Telugu. It's in the Telugu language. And like a lot of Indian cinema, it's got big action sequences. It's got song and dance numbers, but it's, it's, it's set in the – in – earlier time in the early 20th century when the British were, were colonizing uh, India and there were uprisings. There were, there were native, uh, native Indian attempts to 
to rebel and to oh wow fight. no yeah yeah okay that's that's a for sure and there's there's tons of there's tons of action scenes because it's it's in a lot of ways it's it's got as much action again as a marvel movie um there's crazy stunts there's cgi wild animals there is bromance that could be considered homoerotic not that there's anything wrong with that and it's just it, and and you think you know Helena and I sat down to watch and it's like it's 3 hours well first of all yeah you you at the same time it's like we'll watch like 7 episodes of white lotus in a row you know that's like 7 hours so it's like okay 3 hours we'll we'll watch it in two chunks two hour and a half chunks we told ourselves we sat through that whole 3 hour thing in one sitting and we were not bored for a single minute it's just it's just brilliant and and it's fun and it's gorgeous, gorgeously shot, and it's on Netflix. So I recommend R R R. And I love and for, God, I love foreign film. I, I yeah. always have. You know. Yeah, great, and, great and classics like Unco Mandalore. Uh, Unco Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I that just it's stuck on a it's stuck on a neuron. I can't do again, anything this, about it. This would be like the part in a comic book. If this were a comic book, there'd be a little asterisk, and it'd be like C ish. Number one thirty-three. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be. Okay. Quick, quick sidebar. Uncle Monvalor, For those who who haven't heard this story on this show before, happened um, very, when, very long ago. When Robin and I were both in college together, um, I was, uh, among other things, I was, I, I became really, really into foreign films. Like if if it had a foreign title if it was in a language i didn't speak i wanted to see it like i saw fellini's eight and a half at the student union and it just blew me away and after that i wanted to check out i was there yeah yeah you were there with me i don't think we were together but no i was there for it oh yeah i don't i don't i don't know how we didn't wind up drinking down at the down at the blue tick tavern afterward but yeah yeah but then so then one time um at, at the i guess i think it was the theater down on was it on Capitol Street? Is that the main drag through more? No, no, no. High Street. Yeah. High yeah. Street. Down yeah. at the Met. Yeah, at the theater. There was a, a, a on on the marquee. Uh, it had the names of the movies, and one of them was Unco. Uh, oh no, no, no! This no. no, this was out at the no. That uh, Unco Monvalor played oh, out at the uh, Star City. Out at Star the Star City. City Cinema. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I went all the way out to Star City to see Unco Monvalor because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that was Italian or French, but it well, was the, th- the funny the funny thing is we were we were in my we were in my Dodge pickup truck going some uh, going to or from somewhere, and of course that's out close to the Creative Arts Center. Yes, and we drove by, and you saw the marquee and said, "Well, I have to see that." Mm. Thank God for your memory. But anyway, as it turns out, Unco U N C O Mon M O N Valor V O V A L O R was actually the Gene Hackman, I'm going to get uh, POWs out of Vietnam movie called Uncommon Valor. Yeah, it was Uncommon Valor without, with, 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 an, with a space, yeah, with a space, the M had fallen off. I don't think I actually went to see it. No, no, because we made it up to, it's like, oh, because we saw the poster. Because that was really a period of time when everybody had, a, a, like Chuck Norris and, and, and Stallone and everybody else since since the Rambo movie of like lead lead actor goes goes uh, to Vietnam yes. to bring back 
his old buddy or his son. Because you have to remember, this was the very muscular era of 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 Ronald Reagan's manly manliness. Oh, sure. I mean, and they even snagged Gene Hackman, for God's sake, into doing Uncommon Valor. Bet he got paid. It was not oh, a great script. He... Nah, but those were the days, yeah, where like every every week a movie would come out with either Gene Hackman or Michael Caine. <laughs> You're not wrong. Did you Have you ever heard the quote uh, uh, attributed to Michael Caine about having done Jaws 4? No. Um. Well, Jaws 4 was the obviously the fourth movie in the Jaws series, which really was never meant to be a series. It should have just been one movie, Jaws, and that was the end of it. But, of course, it was a money-making machine. So eventually they came out with Jaws 4, which told, tells the story of Sheriff Brody's wife, played by, played by Lorraine Gary, who also happened to be the wife of uh, – real-life wife of uh, the, the head of Universal Studios at the time – uh, Lorraine Gay- Gary plays Mrs. Brody, and she is so sick uh, of living in Amity where the sharks just keep attacking people that she decides that she's going to go down to the Bahamas. Now, what she doesn't know is that there there is a shark out there that that is mourning the death of its mate, the one that blew up in the first Jaws, every bit as much as Mrs. Brody is mourning the death of her husband, Sheriff Brody, who didn't die in Jaws, we all know, but I, I forget what the reason they have him dead in the fourth one. But anyway, so she goes down to ba- the Bahamas, and the shark from Amity follows her to the Bahamas. Stop it. I'm not kidding. Somehow it knows it wants revenge. It's a stalker shark? It's a stalker shark, and it's able to follow her all the way from you know the Long Island area, or no, no, no. What am I saying? Amity, the Amity area, all the way down the shoreline to the Bahamas. And when she gets to the Bahamas, uh, Mrs. Brody meets up with a uh, with a friendly fellow who has a boat, uh, and that fellow is played by Michael Caine. And at the end of the movie, Michael Caine and Mrs. Brody. Um, of course, they're in the boat. They're they're fighting the shark, and they win. They beat the shark, etc. I, I, I actually saw it a long time ago. It, it is terrible. And somebody asked, and and then oh, here's the thing too. Michael Caine for that very same year was nominated for best supporting actor for Hannah and her sisters. And then when it was time for the Oscars, he was filming Jaws Four: The Revenge at this time so he could not come up to attend the oscars he won best supporting actor that year in 1987 he couldn't accept his oscar because he was off making jaws for the revenge and then anyway when somebody asked him about you know how could you do that movie it's terrible and he i will i will paraphrase in my michael king kind of accent he goes i've never seen the movie I've heard it's terrible, but the house that it helped to build is magnificent. Bingo. It's a business. It's a business. And yeah, Michael Caine would do... Oh, he did tons of terrible movies. In the Blame it on Rio. Have you ever seen oh, that Oh, God, one? yes. But yeah, and but I, I love the classic stuff. I, uh, Get Carter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. He's, he's great in everything. And, and, and Children of Men, he's great in that, too. 
Just lots of stuff. He's, he, but that's the thing. He just He's a working actor. He loves to just get out there and work. Put him on a film set, he's happy. I get you know, that. Do you know which actor has done more roles than I think anybody at this point? Like, has the IMDb record for most uh, most parts in, mo- in a movie? Uh, it's Eric not- Roberts. Really? Eric Roberts. Yeah. I mean, he's done shit you've never heard of. But he averages something like 100 movies a year. He averages like two movies a week somehow. Because it'll just be a bit part. I think he has like close to 500 IMDb credits or something. At this Jesus! Point. Yeah. Uh, and it's because his thing is like, I'm a working actor. Pay me, I'll come, I'll do your movie. I don't care if it's a bad movie or good movie. I'm going to do what I know how to do, and I'm going to enjoy doing it. I'm going to eat the craft service. I'm going to hang out in the trailer. I'm going to come sit on a chair. If you need an Eric Roberts-type villain, and there's always an Eric Roberts-type villain. Of course. Some stupid movie or another, call me up. I'll do it. There are probably scripts that get written that, and, you know, where the character description is just Eric Roberts-type villain. Yep. Yeah, he did a movie one time, a, a really bad one, too, called A Talking Cat? Question mark. That's actually the name of it. A Talking Cat? And he he played the part of the cat. I mean, that is, he did the voice of the cat. And he says, he just literally, he literally phoned in his performance. Like, from his house, he just read through the script a couple of times into the phone, and they used that. And they sent the check. And they sent the check. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do that? All day long and twice on Sunday. You know, great work if you can get it. Hey, I want to shift gears with you for a minute, if I could. Yeah, let's shift gears. Uh, so, you, I know roughly where you live. Uh-huh. You are not that far away from the epicenter of the great George Santos uh, yeah. e- evolving list of lies and prevarications. Yeah. Um, is 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 there is there much chatter about him up there? Well, I don't follow local news. You know, I I used to when I used to like buy physical newspapers and read them from front to back. But um, no, I mean, because he represents a district that's in the city um, and they read. I thought it was out on Long Island. Well, it's 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 Long Island, but it's also parts of Queens. Oh, okay. And I think it's half and half. And, you know, Queens, if you drive through Queens at a certain point, you're going to enter Long Island. It's one connects to the other. And um, I haven't studied this thoroughly, but it's my impression that his district is sort of an amalgam of both Queens and Long Island. And it was actually a, a Democratic district, I believe, until they, they started moving the borders around to include more of Long Island than they had previously. And that's, you know, Long Island voters tend to be more traditional Republicans, a very heavily uh, Catholic population, uh, Italian population. And even uh, even with some of the Jews, there's a lot of conservative Jews uh, in, in those those parts. So, yeah, it, they managed to flip the district. And this, uh, you know, this is just proof that uh, that any old clown can get uh, elected to Congress. Um, I, I don't think or even in a young clown. I mean, it... listen, look, who's look, who's. But who's also the clown? I mean, I don't know who who he defeated, the Democratic candidate. But couldn't the you know couldn't his team have dug up some of? Well, this they stuff? did. That's the problem. They did. 
but they couldn't uh, they couldn't they couldn't get anyone to bite they couldn't get any interest out of local media uh, whether it be the new york daily news or the or the New York Times, or and, and certainly well, the New York Post. The question was, is, why didn't the Times break it earlier? Because it I was, mean, it was, it wasn't a big deal, and nobody, nobody thought he would win. He was a joke candidate. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's that's kind of on them because there's no such, you know, he was running as a maggot, and there's no such thing as a joke maggot candidate, or wasn't no. in twenty 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 or twenty twenty two. I mean, these, pe- these, these, these people are stone-cold nuts. So it turns out now, I was just going to mention, um, it, it's, every day it's just a new thing with him. Um, another, another, another person has come forward. Um, the New York, uh, the, uh, New York Times said, uh, reported, a man who was 18 years old when he began dating and then moved in with George Santos while the future congressman was married to a woman, Says he was lied to too. He used to say he would get money from Citigroup. He was an investor. Uh, investor Pedro uh, Villarva, Villarva told the New York Times of his 2014 romance with Santos, who was then 26. One day it's one thing, one day it's another thing. He never actually went to work. And he said Santos once gave him tickets to Hawaii that didn't exist. And then he found out he was wanted on threat, theft charges in Brazil. And that leads me to. Uh, uh, a little piece of breaking news from the New York Times that prosecutors in Brazil now say that they're going to revive a criminal case uh, of fraud against George Santos. Well, the fun thing is also, though, watching the other, watching the rest of the GOP squirm and dance around this issue, and 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 still not speaking. I think there are maybe two or three that have come out to say, well, you know, maybe he should consider resigning, etc. But for the most part, it's, we're going to hold on to power however we can. And if Well, he's promised to vote for Kevin McCarthy, so everybody who wants Kevin McCarthy needs his vote. Mm. Because they're already down five, that would be down six, and then all of a sudden, maybe Kevin isn't uh, going to be Speaker of the House after all. Right. But the uh, but the lar- but the larger issue is, and and we've seen this for years, beginning kind of with Trump, issues that would destroy a Democrat are absolutely a okay if you're a Republican. Sure. And it's. It, well, they've just they've moved the lines. The, the, there are no goalposts anymore. You know, they, they've moved them until you there there are no more goalposts to set. I mean, you 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 know, you're old enough to remember like Gary Hart. You know, and oh yeah, and, the and John Edwards, and John Edwards, and in even something like uh, Howard and, uh, 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 Anthony Weiner. Yeah, and listen, those guys were, you know. Anthony Weiner is a terrible person, and John Edwards turned out to not be great. And and I'm even listen. I know a and lot Ga- of my- and uh, the one thing Gary Hart had no idea what the hell was going on. She she was she was literally a Republican operative. He came up, sat down on his lap. They took the picture, and it was over. It was over. That was it. And, and that's all it took. God, I, help help my memory. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, Howard Dean. Howard Dean. All the oh, Howard the Dean, Dean scream. That that yeah, the Dean. Oh, and that was it. 
that was it for his candidacy. And that, and, and that's from someone who deals with who deals with this sort of technology. The Dean scream is the most disingenuous piece of media manufactured garbage that I think. Well, I mean, it, it should probably be studied in school because yeah. the people who were in that room never heard the Dean scream. Mm. Okay. It only became a thing because it went out over it went out through the, the, the microphone, not that it was part of the PA, but that was going to the broadcast stream. It went viral before uh Yeah, and he was the, done. Oh, he's a maniac. Yeah. And now you can have Herschel fucking Walker. You know? You and and, and, and no he didn't win, but he didn't lose by much. I mean, had, yeah, and that takes me, you know, that takes me back to your sort of sunshiny view of 2023. The fact that he was, the fact that he was even remotely viable, remains decidedly frightening to me, Dan. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you can thank the people, especially of the Atlanta area. You know, I mean, I think that George is a case where, you know, the city folk and the suburban folk, they're gonna, they're gonna choose one side of identity identity politics but you know there's a lot of those uh, good old boys and and so forth in Georgia and other areas that are going to just be like well he's got that R that's all we need and I used to watch him play football he was a hell of a player you know that's it that's all they need uh, I don't believe that's you know, and the thing is too is that again we're we're at a point where we've discussed this before I brought this up of you know truth has become a matter of perception Truth has become a matter of opinion. It's like you can you can have a picture, you can have a photograph. It's like ah, I don't believe that. That's being distorted. So, what is truth? Have we have we lost what truth is? And does a candidate need to campaign utilizing truth, or can they just give whatever hand out what people want to hear, knowing that that can be enough to put them into power? The answer is yes. Yeah, because obviously. because on that side of the political aisle. It is all strictly transactional, Dan. Yeah. Well, I mean, make no mistake, our folks make a lot of choices and decisions based on transactional opportunities and so forth. I don't think we're all, you know, that's politics. But, um, but it's, to me, it's more about team identity. And it's also selling a brand. It's selling this idea that you, if you are on team... MAGA, you are strong. You are a patriot. You have values. And you are brave. And Trump is brave and strong and tells it like it is. And flex those muscles and get out your gun. And it's it's all an act. It's you know, you got a man who 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 dodged military service, which I don't blame anybody for dodging military service. I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to go to the military, and I'd probably try to dodge it too. But don't go, don't go claiming like you know, don't 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 go selling out digital, you know, trading cards with your image in a flight suit, you know. Don't put on the flight suit and get on a, you know, get on a aircraft carrier, you know. If that well, yeah, out. and you know what, and but but uh, you're going exactly where I was about to go, because everything that we object to in Trump. Has a, has a condition a, a condition precedent in people like W, you know him with him with his cod piece and his padded crotch standing on the on the uh, deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln, 
Yeah. All the, uh, you know, 20 years ago with the mission accomplished banner in the background and the fact that the USS Abraham Lincoln had to be uh, steered into position so that you couldn't see San Diego in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those are those are all things that brought us to where we are. Well, yeah, and again, the perception that Trump is this genius economic brain because he has a rich daddy and a TV show. That's it doesn't take much. You know, image is everything and and there's certainly a lot of people on on all of all of the teams whose job is to keep refining the product, trying to find new ways of making the product sellable. I mean, I think in a way, I think one of one of Biden's sellable points is he's kind of boring. And you know what? That's nice. I'm down with boring. I'm down with boring. Yeah. Give me give me a little no drama there. You know, if, if the most dramatic you get is putting on a, a pair of aviator shades every once. I'm fine with that. Put on the aviator shades. Give me a thumbs up. Yeah. Don't go pretending you're macho. Uh, you know, I, how many times have, have you heard this, too? Like the mag is going, one thing I like about Trump, he's got balls. You know, no, the man has never been in a fight in his life. Yeah, he'll he'll sick lawyers on you. That's not fighting. I'm, I'm talking about really, you know, doing your own dirty work, you know, putting your face up to somebody and saying no, you know, and standing up for things. He's, he, he'll run away. He is the rich kid out on the playground that will, like, you know, push you around. And the minute you you smack back at him, he's running to the teacher. You know, I've never rooted for the rich kid. And I don't identify with the rich kid, but you know, but just this idea, this identity of like, I've got my pickup truck and I'm going to put the, you know, I'm going to put the, the, I'm going to put the big old American flag up there to show that I'm more American than you, and you know, and I got my gun rack and all this stuff. It's, you're, it's so, it's, it's like that guy. What's his name? The, the, um, what's his name? Kevin Tate. The 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 oh the, oh no uh, and Andrew Tate yeah Andrew Tate you know you're making this big show of what a macho asshole you are it's really just you know incivility it's it's just like it's it's all attitude you know these these guys aren't tough these guys have you know tough is being able to like apologize because tough is being com- compassionate tough is being humble because those are things nobody wants to do. And to be able to do something you really don't want to do, that's being tough. That's being brave. But to, to use your money and your social media influence to, like, try to pick a fight with Greta Thunberg, that's not tough. That's just being an asshole. And, you know, and calling, you know, it, it's just I you got to wonder. It's like, will future U.S. presidents, let's assume that at some point, the, the the GOP is gonna gonna take the reins again. Is this the blueprint now, where you have to like go on Twitter and like call people that that aren't quote unquote loyal to you um, treasonous or or dead brained or whatever, you know, lame brained or whatever? You know, is this is this only gonna be a Trump thing, or is it gonna be the new template? It's gonna be interesting to see. I I don't you know I don't know where it's going, but it's 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 embarrassing. It's showing that ugly Americanism that we've always known existed. It's just out, and it's – I don't know if the toothpaste is ever going back in the tube. And, and, you know, we focused on Congress. We focus on the presidency, and that's natural because squeaky wheels get greased, and 
and and big shiny objects in the mirror are closer than they may appear. But a lot of a lot of this has to do with what happens in the state legislatures, Dan. Sure. I mean, we're get you know here in a month we'll start a brand new legislative session here in West Virginia, and it's I mean you know I ran for office. Yeah, I know. Might, Sorry. Might do it again. No, no need to apologize. I was amazing. Uh, you you. You 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 show me you show me somebody else who can get out on the campaign trail three months after some of the most major surgery possible. Mm. I was you know I was that girl, um, but it, 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 and it's gonna it doesn't matter whether it's the environment or workers' rights or women's rights or LGBTQ rights. It's just gonna be a shit show. And those shit shows will be replicated all over uh, all all over the country, and I sort of turned the conversation in that direction because of what you said about it's it's all a matter of seeing you know what they can get away with, uh-huh. and so they, they, there's this constant uh, necessity to come up with something more outrageous to come up with someone else to fear to come up with another group to other and say that that's why you're you know tell these these terrified white people that that's why their lives suck right and so you know that um i personally if 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 you if you ha- if you put me on the spot and said will it be trump or DeSantis in 2024 my answer is DeSantis. Because a lot of people have figured out that beyond 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 the fact that they loved him for his cruelty or whatever, he wasn't cruel enough. He wasn't he wasn't successful enough with his cruelty. Sure, he kidnapped. Uh, sure, he kidnapped uh, 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 immigrant babies and tore them away from their mother's breast. But that's not cruel enough for them, Dan. So. DeSantis is much better at the cruelty because he is, frankly, smarter. He's a lot smarter than Trump. Well, he does have that Harvard education. Mm-hmm. And he, and, and he knows what it takes to rile up the rubes. And maybe it's, maybe it's a mistake on my part to call them the rubes. But, Dan, they're rubes. They're rubes. And so you it know, doesn't matter if the Florida legislature, the Alabama legislature, and yes, I'm particularly sensitive to issues related to my own existence. Of course. Um, but, you know, they, they did as much as they could to hurt the kids. Now they're going to come after the adults. I fully expect at some point in time there will be a criminalization of prescribing uh, a, a, a hormonal support for trans people. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And the scary part is that this U.S. Supreme Court might go along with that, you know, if it were to get to the federal level, uh, or at least the ability to 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 try to strike that down as unconstitutional, you might have enough votes to say, no, it is, it's fine, because that's that's the thing too. It's you know, right. and, and we and I actually was going to bring us into the Supreme Court too because you said you know we the red wave turned out to be a pink puddle, and that's true. And actually, we if if um, 
if Sean Patrick Maloney in New York hadn't fucked up so thoroughly, they might not have even gotten a majority. So, unfortunately, it was it was the it was the flip in seats in New York that did it turned out to have done a ton of damage. Uh, yeah, because he ran he ran in a district where there was already a popular progressive incumbent beat the incumbent and then lost his ass to the maggot. No, I live in that district. That's my district. Oh, okay. So you so. Uh, but uh, you know, I can tell you that my county, uh, Rockland, is is a is like fifty five or fifty eight percent right and forty something percent left, and it's. Uh, I, I think there. Were, I believe there was some redistricting involved too. Some some lines were moved around, and uh, yeah, I think that Maloney did not uh, run an effective campaign, and uh, that was all she wrote. I voted for him, but um, it's it's a pretty conservative area here, and so it's kind of a wonder that we've had. I mean, listen, we had. Um, we've we've had progressive candidates in the past. Uh, in this area, but you know things go in waves. I, I don't know what to tell you. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you why, and maybe you know better than I do about why why Maloney lost and he shouldn't have, but he did. And you're right. You're right on all of that. Uh, it's it's the same what you were talking earlier with Santos. You you know you asked me about it, but the truth is you you know more about it. You've analyzed it more thoroughly than I have. Well, it's my job. Um. <laughs> That's all I, I don't mind. I, I I voted for him and and my guy lost, and he lost fair and square. You know what can I do about? Yeah, it? Yeah, he, he got beat. Yeah, got beat. And that's the thing. Everybody everybody in 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 Santos's district uh, expected George Eastman to win. Yeah. And so you know this also falls on the people who said, ah, I don't have to worry about it. I'm not gonna. Nah, it's a pain in the ass. I'm not gonna vote. It's, it's just yeah, no, nah, he's gonna win. Well, I mean voting. I think the numbers were still very strong, especially for a midterm in terms in, in terms of turnout. I think that early voting and all of that. I think that's that's just benefiting us uh, when you give more people more opportunity that they will take take it. Um, no, again, I think in this case we just we just got beat, and I don't I don't know what really led to Santos, you know, winning. Um, but it's I don't know what uh, you re- you really want to just get me depressed. I mean I'm I'm willing to talk, uh, you know, sunshine all day long. I guess I. But listen, I maybe I don't have as much skin in the game. Or you know I have this 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 uh, not that I don't have skin in the game. It's that I maybe I don't perceive the threats because I am what I am. That it's 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 not as noticeable to me, and and shame on me if that's true. Well, no, I don't think there's any shame on you. No, not at all. Uh, and and I know you do think about these things, but uh, you 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 know you work you work in an industry that demands pretty much all of your. I mean, you're in an attention to detail kind of this is job. True. This is true. Uh, and and it, it frankly, it must be kind of fun to get lost in that sometimes. It uh, is because oh, it my is. attention to detail job is getting lost in this. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to talk uh, I want to talk with you uh, in a minute because uh, you mentioned the Supreme Court. Uh, 
I want to talk. I want to talk with you about that, but I also want to share an email with you that just came from Scary Jerry. Scary uh, Jerry. Yeah, Scary Jerry's one of a kind. Joe Biden's biggest, strongest superpower. Being a reasonable, nice, charitable white man. Uh, America was great when reasonable white men, usually driving Winnebago's or Dodge Darts or Generation 2 Toyota Corollas, roamed the earth. Kind of white man who would cut your lawn unprompted and watered your flowers while you were on vacation. Today, they'd just contact the Homeowners Association. Type of white men who used to pay parking meters for fun on a night out with their girl. Lost, disappearing breed. That's a that's a that's a that's a really great little pastiche of description. I agree. That's very astute. And not scary you know, the, at all. No, the the um, the inclusion of Dodge Darts and Winnebago's. I mean, that's that that's poetry that's, level, Jerry. That's, that's poetry. A yeah. Scary Jerry is is a writer. I don't know if he what he's got out there, but that's that's a writer's brain. It is. Uh, it's, it's 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 downright poetic, and you know today they just contact the homeowners association. Yeah, and you know there's a lot of that. Um, it, by the way, you got a note from uh, Bernadette a little bit ago talking uh, when Bernadette. you were yeah when you were talking about a kaleidoscope. Uh-huh. Uh, Bernadette said, "I love the concept of this show. How you can view any episode and never lose the story. This is a uh-huh. great concept. Super fun. Love the idea." Yeah, check it out. Yeah, I, I got to. I got to. I will. Giancarlo Esposito, you know, is such a wonderful actor. He's a good dude too. He's 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 very nice to 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 talk with and stuff. But um, he is. Can such- I can I ask you? Can I ask you a nerd girl question? Of course. Um, what's it like working with Julia Roberts, or around Julia Roberts? I don't mean like you know you're on, doing on, her hair. Or anything. On the last one, I didn't really work with her at all. Like I was really offset. You know, because also you got to remember too, COVID protocol really limits the number of people who can interact with the the talent, sure. as they call. It. Um, and my job on on um, Leave the World Behind was very much offset. I mean, it's funny because we were in a studio. Um, most of most of the movie takes place in a house, um, and we built that house like this huge replica house. Uh, and, and dressed it, of course, uh, inside of a soundstage, <coughs> like a multi-level house with a swimming pool and back, all of that indoors. So it was kind of interesting in a way, knowing that my office where I was working and clicking away at my computer every day was a mere couple of hundred yards away from Julia Roberts, still one of the world's big film stars, and yet... I really didn't interact with her, um, but I have interacted with her in the past. And this is how um, she was when I was working on Law and Order back in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, she was dating at that time um, one of our actors on our show, Benjamin Bratt. And Ben, oh, and, I were, oh. ben and I were really pretty tight, you know. Oh, how cool. And so well, and, and Julia had. For our 200th episode of the show, um, they brought in Julia to play the killer of the week. Um, It was a special. I don't know if they've ever put it into reruns or not, but she played like this femme fatale who kills her lover with excessive amounts of Viagra, I think, or something like that. 
But so she was with us on the set for that whole week. And I was certainly those were my days of really being a constant on set presence. So when you work with a, a level of an actor like that, I mean, first of all, people always ask me like, oh, is so and so nice? Is that person nice? And I've said it probably on the show before. Most of the top level actors I've worked with are very nice. Uh, partly it's, I think, out of professional necessity. Um, if you're a smart movie star, you will be nice to the people around you, uh, including the crew, because A, you need them to make you look good. But also B, all of these people have families and friends, and we're not supposed to talk about the A-level talent. Um, in fact, we sign non-disclosure agreements these days saying we basically can't even mention the title of things uh, that we're working on until they're out on uh, in whatever format. Um, but we do, to some extent, either privately or not so privately. And, and in this age of the Internet, you know, word gets out. So if you are an asshole, uh, either to the crew or to humanity in general, word gets does get out, you know, as much as PR teams and so forth will try to keep it from getting out, it will get out. So is Julia Roberts nice? As they used to say about, yeah, I think, yes, I think Julia Roberts, you, you can tell some people are just by nature, they're nice, they're pleasant people. I think she was raised to be a nice, humane person and she's married, she's been married for a long time to uh, a camera operator who she met on on the job. So she was obviously nice to him. And, um, and, and I'm sure through that, she's, she's aware that people are people and you should be nice to other people. Um, but here's the thing too, is that because Ben and I were, were, were pretty tight, um, because, you know, when you work on date, uh, on, on, on regular television, weekly, 22 episodes of, of a weekly show every year, you really get to know the actors and talk about all kinds of things. So I had, I don't know how, but Ben, I might've told my Ben that one of my wife's friends was a jewelry designer. And so there wasn't any, you know, um, any kind of salesmanship on my part at all. I, I think I just men mentioned it in whatever conversation, but one day Ben came up to me and he said, Hey, your friend, the jewelry designer, could she make me something really special for my girlfriend? And oh. I, girlfriend was but we you know so it's like sure you know we'll get it you know and i hooked up helene's friend hetty to julia roberts and uh actually no to ben first ben made her sort of a pre-engagement ring they never really did get engaged but he made her a pre-engagement ring and gave it to her and julia loved it and uh and was very nice to hetty our friend and, and ben paid her very well but then one day Helene and I and uh, our little baby, then Gus, now April, were walking uh, through Union Square Park, and there was Ben and Julia, and they were dressed very nondescriptly, so most people just walked right by them, but I spotted them and came up, and we all hugged and shook hands and stuff, and, uh, you know, so it's like, yeah, you know, uh, I got to, you know, chat for a few minutes very casually with Julia Roberts, and that was fun, you know. So anyway, I guess this is answering your question that, yes, Julie Roberts is nice. Uh, Will Smith, when I worked with him, was nice. Um, he didn't slap anybody back in 90, 96 when I worked on Men in Black. Most stars are nice. And if there are any that aren't, I probably shouldn't say 
Christian Bale was nice. You know, all the people say, oh, is Christian Bale an asshole? Look, everybody's got a time at work where they do something that makes them an asshole. Christian Bale happened to be an asshole on a day that cameras recorded him being an asshole. And now he's known for being an asshole. But he's not. He, he's a very professional. and uh, It's a hard damn job. It is. But no job should be an excuse to be an asshole. I no, mean, you no. An asshole. And, and look, you know, be, be kind to the people around you is solid advice no matter what it is you do in your life. I mean, uh, yeah. when, I, when, I, when I started practicing law, when I was in law school, um, you know, that was beaten into our heads. Do not be a, do not be, do not be a prima donna lawyer. Right. Don't throw your files around. Don't, you know, don't be an asshole. And, 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 you know, my nature, my nature has always been to try to be a fairly agreeable human being. I've tried to double down on that in the last two and a half years, uh, simply because one of the things that made, was making me an asshole, um, isn't, is gone. Is, it's, you know, him, you know, bye. Uh, Hmm. but, so, yeah. We lost the great actor, um, William Hurt this past year. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, that, that. I, when I worked with I worked with Bill as as he would have me call him uh, on a movie a couple of years ago uh, called The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, and a little indie movie that you probably haven't heard of. No, but, but I want to watch it now. Well, it's what they did. It's kind of in a way similar to uh, Kaleidoscope, which is that we made two separate movies, uh, one from uh, the the, the the woman's perspective and that was that character was played by Jessica Chastain and a second movie to James McAvoy the the man's point of view it was a love story from two different points of view and we shared some of the scenes for both movies and then other scenes would show different versions of what we had seen in the the idea was to try to get people to buy two movie tickets instead of just one but it was Harvey Weinstein it was a Miramax movie. Harvey just kind of buried it because he, in the end, he didn't like it, and so people didn't buy two two tickets. They bought no tickets for it. Um, but that said, I thought it was a, it was an okay. It was a nice movie with a great cast, and Bill Hurt played um, Jessica Chastain's father, and Bill Hurt could be an asshole, but as they used to say about Jerry Lewis, he was always nice to me. Yeah. Because I got I got to know Bill pretty early on, and Bill, what I figured out about Bill was he could be an asshole on set because he was just very very anxious, and he was anxious because he never felt like he under. He, he I remember early on in prep, he would tell me, you know, we used to be able to like really rehearse our scripts, and you know, the studio would always put in a couple extra days to just like sit around a table and read it and. And, and, and work through our characters. And now we can't do that. You know, the money just isn't there anymore. And he was, he was just anxious that he was basically dropped into this movie playing Jessica Chastain's father without any time to really prep it or rehearse or establish a relationship with her. Yeah, so finally, because they are relationships. Yeah, and one day we were filming a scene at a train station and Jessica just flipped on Bill. And called him out. He had said something or other to the director that she didn't like. And she took him to task in front of the crew. And Bill 
like just walked away, left set for a while, and then he came back and he just apologized. He just stopped everything and just said, I want to let you know, I'm really sorry. I apologize to you, Jessica. You know, I apologize to the crew. And it, it was really startling to see this great actor and, and, and still maybe not A-list at that point, but still a very prominent movie star just, you know, be that humble in front. Of, it was it was almost a little too much. It was a little mm, that, yeah, but that's class. That's that's a pro. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, and I just think that sometimes, too, when we are victims of assholishness, you know, we can we can at least try to look at like, well, maybe what's going on there, you know, and, and I think in Bill's case, it was that he he was just so insecure that he didn't feel he was ready to be up in front of the cameras with this part. And it wasn't that huge a part. But, you know, he was one of those those trained actors that want. But if, you, if you're if you're a pro, you've got a job to do and you want to do the do the job the way that you were. Hey, yeah. Ask to, Michael yeah. Payne. Ask right. Eric Roberts, you know, yeah. it can be done. It's just, you know, we're all we're all individuals and we all have our approaches and there's no right or wrong. And, um, you know, and again, Christian Bale, the, the day that he flipped out on a cinematographer, it's because, you know, he was in the middle of shooting a scene and actors are used to having their eye lines cleared. And instead, um, the DP was like adjusting a light in the middle of a shot. And so he's seeing the director of photography moving around and, 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 and changing things. And it, I could see, you're, you know, it broke his focus. And, and when you're when you're on camera, you know, whatever you're doing is going to be potentially shown to millions of other people worldwide. So, of course, you want your best work. So, I don't know. Well, that's, that's, that's nice. Let me interrupt for just a second because we're running out of time. Um, I need to say a couple of thank yous. Thank you so very much to Colin. Thank you, Colin. Of course. Uh, Colin jumped in alongside, um, uh, alongside Charlene oh. in Rogues Island, got us to $75 on the $100 challenge, and an anonymous friend who uh, said they are in, uh, very much enjoying the, the um, dialogue exchange, uh, got us to only $15 to go to meet the challenge. So there's $15 left, and, the, and, and, Bruce, and Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge has been met for the beginning of, of January. Thank you so, so very much. Um, yes, yay, thank you. Because that's how this program works. I wish it worked some other way, but I haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just don't think I could bring myself to, to, to hustle stupid beets or, hey, paleo chocolate chicken bone nutritional beverage. Yuck. I, I just couldn't. No, I, I asked about, because uh, I watched a, watched a Julia Roberts film the other night, uh, Ticket to Paradise. Uh-huh. Her and George Clooney. Yeah, and they had they had great on they had great on screen negative chemistry. Negative. Uh, yeah, they were a, they were a divorced couple who had oh I see I who see. had spent who had spent their their daughters growing up lives making an absolute art form out of despising each other. Mm-hmm. And and the this the, the the chemistry was wonderful and and Julia, you know. George Clooney is what we have in, in is what we have in in the modern era instead of uh, you know Cary Grant. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, yeah, right. Uh, I guess he's probably done LSD just like Cary Grant did too. Um, awesome. And 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 Julia Roberts has just matured 
it, I mean, so 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 gracefully from like you know the pretty woman days to being able to play these these a beautiful older woman that I was just sitting there going ah, um, yeah, from an uh, from an, uh, just an admiration standpoint because yeah. she's she's just fantastic. Um, so we've we've covered. We didn't get around to the Supreme Court, but I hammer on the Supreme Court day in, day out, night in, night out. So we will. Well, plus, I would just be displaying my ignorance. You know, you just you just know so much more than than me. You know, I, about the real nitty gritty. So I do I do have a I do have a question that I wanted to, want to ask you because in uh, in previous conversations, you know, because you are a proud union member. Yes. And you have been a shop steward. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you know, you know what you know how hard the life is, um, you know, working working uh, on on various forms of, of the crew and you, and, and the, the the brutality of the call schedule and all of that. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> and when we were talking about the contract negotiations, you, you talked about how hard it is to just to 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 make to make those calls. You know, just. Hard, you know, just it's it's backbreaking, it's soul breaking. Um, is that is that why? And I'm not talking about blame. I'm just trying to understand the process now. Is that why? You know, because back in the day, back in the day, how many how many episodes were there in a season of a TV show? Twenty two to twenty four. Yeah. In fact, I think back in the Gunsmoke days, there were thirty nine. And that must have been hell. Is is yeah, that is is that is that why? Because I, I I really we we really got into the reboot of Quantum Leap over uh-huh. on NBC Peacock. Thought it was really well done. The characters are nicely drawn. The stories are intriguing. Um, it's fun. It's it's it, it's fun whether it's uh, uh, whether it's Ben the new guy or. You know, from the old series, it's fun to watch them get transed every now and then. Um, uh-huh. it, but you know, eight, it, yeah, eight episodes and bye. And I guess they come back now in January. But is it is it is it a modernization of how we treat? Because I'll find it a lot easier to swallow if you say yes that it's because we're treating working people better, and that's why there are fewer episodes and. In no. such gargantuous, gargantuan, you know, gaps between seasons. Well, it's it's kind of in a way. What's that law? It's a corollary of uh, where it's um, the work expands to fit the time allotted. You know that one, right? Yeah, I do. So, okay, so you have to look though. If you watch an episode, let's go back to Gunsmoke. Yeah, they did thirty nine a season or Lassie, or those kind of shows, My Three Sons. But you look at, like, visually, how those things, it was it was factory work. Even even a lot of the old studio movies, the MGM movies, a lot of them were just like the crew at that time. I think they would do, like, eight-hour days, maybe 10 hours. But, you know, the crew would come in, they'd punch the clock, they'd do their thing, they'd go home. And, and it would take a lot longer to make movies. Um, I think like The Wizard of Oz was like a six month shoot or something like that. Um, whereas now, like with with streaming, 
and this really, I, I, this is, it's been evolving since Hill Street Blues through Sopranos, through Game of Thrones, where the television viewer no longer wants to see television like the kind you and I grew up in. Or you might watch me TV to watch old episodes of, of something or other. But in general, the television viewer now expects movie quality visuals and sophisticated stories, connected storylines. All these things take time. Now, at the same time, instead of doing an eight or 10 hour day, um, the time is made up by expecting a crew to do 12 hours as a minimum. 14 or 16 is more the, the standard. 14, I'd say, is still the standard. A long day, a long shoot day will be a 16 hour day. And when we had our big COVID hiatus uh, a couple of years back, uh, we were told that when we did come back, things were going to change. That because uh, they recognize now that, that working such long hours um, and so forth is going to be is, 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 is not good for human health. And as you know, immunity systems are going to need strengthened and all this stuff that we're going to try to keep to 10 to 12 hours every day. And that's going to be the new standard. And that lasted like a lot of things for a very brief amount of time. And now we're back to we're back to 14 hours being the minimum on a shooting set, at least I'd say for our show, for Severance, most days, it's it's at least 12 and it's usually closer to 14 that we do 13, 13 and a half to 14 hour days, shoot days every day. OK, well, That's I mean, I, I appreciate that because I've been uh, ever since we decided we were going to have this conversation, I've been looking forward to asking that question. Be and and because of it, in one show in particular, Dan, one show in particular. You mean Quantum Leap? No, Ted Lasso. Oh, Ted Lasso. Jesus Christ, this is getting to be like waiting for the second Boston album. Ah. Would, <laughs> that's a reference. That's a reference only a certain number of people will get. Right. Or you know, for the young, for the for the younger but for the younger but still older set, it's like wait, it's like waiting for uh, Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy album. That's right. Um, well, even that younger is, but but it's interesting that you bring up younger people, and of course, I know that we're we're coming up on the uh, on on eight p.m. here. But I, there is a trend, and you know, it's sort of similar to what you've seen with that stupid basically media created concoction of was it um um kind quitting or what do you what do you call it um quiet quitting quiet quitting quiet quitting um but what i do see with the younger workers who do it there's not as much you see when i was 20 when i was in my 20s and first got into film if you told me um you're doing a 20-hour day today and you know you're gonna have to put up with these things and that thing I would just do it. I expected it that, that yeah. if you want to get into show business, that's part of the job. And at that time, because there wasn't streaming, it was like, you, you know, you might work on a movie for a certain amount of time, but you'd know that after you're done with that movie, you're going to be off. You don't know your next job, and you didn't know if there was going to be a next job for a while. Yeah, and you weren't, and you weren't union yet. I wasn't union yet. But even after I got into the union... And let's say I'm doing Law and Order. Okay, well that's a steady gig. That's 22 episodes a year, but that's a nine month out of 12 month job. What am I doing with the 12? Anyway, I was always looking to work, and and me personally, I was 
I've kept my nose to the grindstone and I've done whatever it takes to do the job, to keep getting the jobs so that I could feed the family, et cetera, et cetera. But the younger generation now of film workers, because there's such a plentitude of work, there's not that desperation that my younger generation had. And there's also more of a, of a, of a sentiment of, you know what, work is not the end all and be all of your existence on this planet. It's great and you need it to, to pay for things. But I've, I've seen more of a tendency of the younger workers to be like, you know what, I'm taking two weeks off in April. You got a problem with that? You know, fine. You know, I'll go, I'll do another job that will accept that. And that's great. I think, you know, the idea that the, your time, the quality of time you have, uh, that it should not all be devoted to, to this. I envy that. Um, I didn't have that luxury, or at least I didn't feel I had that luxury. So, you know, I, I don't see it as quite quitting. I see it as like standing up for yourself and just saying, no, I, you know, replace me for the two weeks I want to take off to go somewhere. You know, I want to spend some of this money that I'm making on something interesting besides work. So, you know, I'm all for it. I don't I don't think that, you know, my generation, you know, maybe did it all all correctly. You know, maybe the priorities were a little, little messed up then. Uh, you know, now that I am slowing things down, I'm, I'm appreciating the time I have. And, uh, you know, which is including this conversation with you. It's it's so nice to be talking with you again. I don't know when I'll be doing it again because I've got severance until uh, into June. And then uh, we'll see what happens after that. Well, I, I hope I hope it's not six months, but there's every possibility that it may be. Um, Could be. But, you know, I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm trying to start up trying. I've got to actually just do it. I'm planning in this calendar year to, to start up my own podcast um, based on. Well, if my, I can help, I'm here. You well, the idea would be every every uh, episode will have a different guest. It would be based on the Rankum uh, feature that I post on Facebook uh, twice a week. Oh, how it'll fun. Be, it'll be a podcast version of that. Um, where guest and I will go through our favorite things, and it can be any a different topic every week. So, favorite songs about doctors or favorite movies. Oh, uh, what a little mind romp that's gonna be! Yeah. I love that idea. Um, I mean, I'm sure there. Are, I'm sure there are lots of others who are doing something similar. Pencil me in for Warner Brothers cartoons, okay? It could be that. It can be whatever. I, what I would plan to do is is let my invited guest choose the topic, either from a from a previous uh, list of previously public, published rank of subjects, or if we can mutually come up with one on our own together, then we talk about it for half an hour to an hour, uh, twice every month. That's I, the point. I could go a long time on, because, well... Warner Brothers cartoons, sure. <laughs> Just... Wait, okay, I, I know that we're over time, <laughs> Let's yeah. take a few minutes to talk about your favorite Warner Brothers cartoons before we leave. Oh, Lord, that's that, 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 that's that's impossible. But I mean, um, uh, gun to the head. What's what's your absolute favorite? Um, you know, everybody always defaults to what's opera doc. Uh, that's still mine. Yeah. And and in fact, uh, uh there's a I've, I've been it's been out since like 2020 or something, but I just discovered it a couple of weeks ago. The uh, the documentary on Netflix, Disclosure, about oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, when, when and when Lily Wachowski comes on and says, you know, I grew up in a time when there was no no trans representation at all, and she it's, said, but then I saw Bugs Bunny coming down the mountain in that in, in that in that that gorgeous you know costume oh, with the helmet and the braids. And, <laughs> you're so lovely. Yes, I know it. I can't help it. Oh, can't. Everybody defaults to that, but there there are so there For and some reason why they do it. This is great. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a hair grows in Flatbush. That is such a dirty little, t- dirty little title. But uh, you know, the kids didn't get it, and the and the parents were kind of going, <laughs> and uh, you know, hey, look, yeah, she was the daughter of Rosie O'Grady, a regular old-fashioned goyal. And hey, look, I'm, I'm hey, look, I'm dancing. Uh, <laughs> And then, and then a few years ago, we were in New York, and lo and behold, there's Rosie O'Grady's, and I'm standing in Times Square <laughs> singing yeah. that and doing the little tap dance bit. Oh my God! Um, and uh, but you know, it's it's not so much a favorite a favorite short for me, Dan, as it is moments. Uh, the sheriff of Nottingham, who has just been just been connived into building a house in the King's Garden, and he looks at himself and says, "Oh, I know I shall hate myself. Cometh the dawn, and it just it just destroys me." Or uh, in that same one, yikes! Set away, slap! Yikes! Set away, slap! Yeah, and uh, uh, oh God, uh, what else? Uh, uh, if, if my if, if my friend Rocky was here, would I would would, would I turn on the gas? Yeah, you might, Rabbit. You might. Would I throw in? Would I would I throw in a lighted match? Boom! All right, Rabbit. You've convinced me. I'll look for Rocky in the city. Just moments. Just wow. brilliant little madcap, absolutely insane moments. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, now this was Tex Avery over at MGM. But in um, what is it? Uh, uh, so, it was something about Little Red Riding Hood. The wolf shows up. Granny's in Red bed. Red Riding Hood, you mean? It might. Yeah, it might. Yeah, swing. Uh, or yeah. What Little was wolf it? It's like in a zoot suit and. Uh... Uh, well, no, nah, no, nah, but well, no, maybe it's Warner Brothers, but I still think it's Tex Avery because he went back and forth. Um, <laughs> the wolf. And this is again filthy. Uh, the wolf runs in. Granny's in bed. <laughs> He's like, "Hit the bricks, Granny!" And she says, "Land sakes, Wolfie, ain't you ain't you gonna eat me?" He says, "Ain't got time, Granny. Hit the bricks." Just moments, moments, moments. I just watched one recently. I know. I know. We're over time. Yeah, we're um, okay. One of the, one of the one of the un, under undermentioned of them. Was the um? I think their names were Chip and Monk. Were that it? Well, they, uh, they no, were they weren't Chip and anything. They were just the Chipmunks. They were Chip and Dale. No. They were they were like two Chipmunks, and they they they, they were, were absolute they would fox. Each other like like oh, if you don't. Oh mind, no, after you. No, no, if you don't mind, you. Yes. And they and they get trapped in in a factory that makes um, freeze dried food and processed food, and. They're going down the conveyor belt. Yeah. And at one point he gets put into a can and they ask it like, you know, 5,000 cans later, they finally find the one that he's trapped in. It's just brilliant stuff. 
it's all great. So yeah, I, my podcast would be that, you know, that kind of thing. You can, we can talk about silly frivolous things. We can, but also the, t- the point isn't to go like, okay, this is the best, whatever's whatever, you know, the best, the greatest movie ever made or the greatest song about uh, surfing or whatever. It's what it means to you that matters to me. Why is it that after all the shit you've you've gone through in your life, all the moments you've you've had in your life, you'll still remember verbatim that kind of dialogue. Yes, yes. Why? You know, and what are the feelings or what are the things you can associate? And if we go off on tangents, that's just dandy. It's again, it's not about being a, a critical advice show. These are the show. These are the movies you should watch. These are the songs you should say you like. No, it's about what does it mean to you? Like I said, somewhere out there, somebody loves the movie Cats and they're not wrong. Then they're not wrong. Oh, what a lovely little bow you just put on all of this because see, and, this and, see, and see I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be all night with this because oh, like um, the monster. What an interesting what an you know, what an interesting handy of yada yada yada. Sweetums. Uh, the monster's name is Sweetums by the way. It's not always that name. I think oh. at one point it's Seymour. Or oh, something like okay. that, because the monster shows up in a couple of different cartoons. Yeah, um, but it, it's interesting. Monsters lead such interesting lives. Oh, this is never going to hold. We're going to need a permanent. <laughs> uh, but and 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 like Lily Wachowski pointed out, some of that some of that may be that I was seeing things I wasn't even I wasn't even realizing I was associate uh, that I was identifying with. Uh, when Bugs is standing there in the in the Napoleon cartoon, and he's standing there tapping his little, he's wearing this, you know, um, uh, it, what um, uh, Josephine, Empress of France, you know, with the Empire bust line, and he's standing there tapping his foot, and and the camera shows it by a jukebox, and it shows Bastille Boogie and three client three coins in the fountain blue. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe there was something in me. I mean, I'm sure it was. It was going yeah. ah yeah so and 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 some of us and and the, you know the music I, I i still you know that that song that tired old chestnut of a song those endearing young charms na 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 and and the piano that's wired with dynamite yeah <laughs> no yeah. you damn fool rabbit na na boom yeah. And there's there's just something gratifying about that. Well, and 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 we don't even realize but it's it's helping to to further our own cultural history. As yes. consequential as it maybe that that somewhere out there there there's this weird little kid who's who's playing with his friends going, "Yeah, must he get me? See?" And he has no idea that he's doing where it came drugs. from. Yeah. Yeah, but he just knows it's funny. Talk like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> it's chitons for you, rabbit. That's enough. It's, it's chitons for you. you. Oh, look, they're adorable. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, da 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 da, the rabbit in red, da 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 da, da the rabbit in red. This is something, and, that, and that's an, and that's another part of it. I started. I wasn't even thinking about it. I started doing vocalizations just from watching these things, and I guess you know. I was—I never knew it, but I was a huge fan of 
Yeah, Mel Blanc. Who should? Who wouldn't be? Yeah. And uh, June Foray too. Oh God, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. She, some, she wanted, somebody once. I think no, I think it's. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Mel Blanc himself who once said. Uh, people say that she's the the the, the Mel Blanc. No, no, no. I'm the I'm the June Foray. Yeah, June Foray did both Rocky the Squirrel and Natasha Fatale. Oh yes, June and. How? How does that get done? It just, it just can't. It's just amazing. But yeah. Or when, bu- when, bu- when Bugs, bu- when Bugs Bunny breaks the, the, uh, the, the glass to get the spe- secret potion out because the wicked witch is after him. Uh-huh. And he breaks the potion on her, and she turns into this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful bunny. And all of a sudden, the hearts start bursting around them, and they go walking down, walking down the lane, absolutely mad for each other. And he turns, it's a little sexist, he turns around, looks over his shoulder and says, yeah, I know, but aren't they all deep down inside? And then, and, you know, the grown-ups were supposed to pick up on it, and the little kids were like, hmm, Bugs is well, getting Well, they were playing before the movie, they were playing before the feature, and that's that's what they were originally yeah. meant. All and, audience. And, and 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 they're just they're just magic, and so sorry. I think we just did the entire podcast. You'll never invite me now. There's there's a lot of subjects we can cover, and uh, I'm I'm getting a little little tired now. You yeah, know, it's time to go. Yeah. This has yes. been fun. Thank you yeah. so much, Dan. It's been way too oh, long. I'm so happy we had this opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Hold up, but I got to do this. We're the boys of the chorus. chorus. We, we hope, hope you love the show. show. You know you're written for us, but now we've got to go. Oh. Not a boy in the chorus, but no. Uh, people. no. Chorus girl now. Hey. <laughs> Cigars, cigarettes. Exactly. Anyway. Oh God, this has been so much fun. Dan, take care of yourself. Stay well. Say hi to Helene. Uh, yeah. Say hey. Say 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 hi to Phoebe for me. Uh, tell her I said congratulations. Onward into on onward into two L and. Um, Knock them dead and and yeah. uh, uh, say hi to April for me. Sure will. Love to you and to all who love you. Thank you. Dan, take care. All right. Take care. You too. Right. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye. My buddy. My buddy from, oh, dear God, it's that year, isn't it? Yeah. My buddy from 40 years ago, Dan Fisher. Wow. Thanks, everybody, and thanks to an, a, a second anonymous person who finished off the uh, challenge, Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge. Thank you so much. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation with Dan as much as I did. I love these opportunities when they arise, and Dan stays awfully busy, so uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad he made time to pop by. That was fun. Thanks to all of you. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Um, Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you to Max, and thank you to Charlene, and thank you to Colin, and thank you to two anonymous people. Thank you so much for getting us started uh, with the challenge. Thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in this long-running conversation, whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Uh, thank you to uh, 
Roger earlier in the chat room getting us started. Thank you, Sparky, for being there. Appreciate you. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, brand new Fresh Malloy on the way, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, with Mike. Now with Mike. Um, I, Tara and I had a blast last week. Um, the best place to listen to the first run of Malloy is head on dot live. No commercials. And please uh, remember, um, Podbean, wherever you listen to the program, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, and please leave a comment. The the uh, uh, the algorithms really like comments. I guess they get lonely. Please do that. It costs nothing, and it really, really helps us out. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know. The folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. And I think this or next month is the anniversary month, one year, a proud union shop. Stay safe, y'all. Got my booster. Y'all get yours. Did not get a flu shot. Wanted a flu shot, but uh, I had to check in. I had to take a powder on that because flu shots were $65. Damn. Got to gotta figure something out. Um, thank you, uh, all of you who do what you do to keep safe, because this community is precious, and I want everybody to be happy and healthy. Truly, I do. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. It's mask-wearing time again. Uh, use your hand sanitizer. Keep your social distance 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And if uh, somebody comes towards you on the street uh, babbling about how what we got to have is more coal mining in the world today, avoid that person like the plague, because they are. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Happy New Year. Later.